I just thought that hey, this is reality. Life is real. And you can try to make it a fantasy and make it any way you want. It's real. It ain't got nothing to do with what you make believe. Tasman with the safeguard, a splatter like a paintball. For Travis through the rain, I used to practice on my days off. Passion didn't change, I'm getting cash and going AWOL. Zacking for the rainfall, the jack in the jig. If it happens and it pays off, laughing to the bank. Can I take my cape off or do I have to save y'all? Stay Wayne back in the back cave you came from. Ain't trying to play God, but what I put in all this pain for. I keep tactic and remain calm and static in a way. Doing math with what his name called, a package on the way. What a packet at the K cost, passing through LA. Ain't no lackey, we the main dogs, captains in the state. He wanna tap him, but he way off and Patrick for a play. I'ma grab it and play God, pass it back your way. They ain't having what it takes to play when the stakes large. Make it in the playoffs, calculate all game. Why they have all this disdain well, you know for hating on the game. Yeah. Um, Alright, we are back, and this week we are the NDA, that is the Natural Parentheses Vibes um, Demon Army, and uh, we are joined this week by a very special guest, but first Quentin. Quentin, you feel like a special guest at this point. Nah, I'm just, I'm just joshing you. I think you were on like the episode before last. How are you doing tonight, Quentin? Um, fine. I'm happy to no longer have several different things happening at once. I'm glad to be on vacation and not things not be as chaotic. If anyone wants to know why, but I haven't been around. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad for, I'm glad to be back and have things uh, back to normal for the most part. We um we talked last episode that we recorded together. I think it was like I said, probably just the one before last. So in my head again, the time just feels like it's weird the way time feels shorter and longer as you get older. Anyways, um don't get older, kids. If you're a child listening to this, which you know most of our listeners are children, um just don't get older. I don't. I'm not telling you how to not get older. Just don't do it. You choose your own option on how to do that. Um, but uh, but yeah, like. I'm coming out of it when it comes to like fucked up holiday season. I've got MLK day off, which I. Okay. I've got this weird ax to grind with the MLK day thing. I, I, you know, obviously I think it's a good holiday. You think, you think it shouldn't, you think it shouldn't exist? I should, I think it shouldn't exist. There's no point. Obviously MLK. I mean, he was, a, <laughs> he was good, but he was, he didn't take it far yeah. enough. I appreciate yeah. his politics, you know, as a socialist, but I just think that, you know, for me, you know, Malcolm X should be celebrated a lot more heavily than MLK. No, um, the real thing is that my union, they they were in the negotiations. They asked for Juneteenth as our holiday that we would get paid. And my work that I work for at the company, they refused Juneteenth, but then gave us MLK Day instead. And I just... It's not necessarily like, what do I respect more? It does feel like respectability politics. It does feel like we don't want to give you Juneteenth because that acknowledges slavery, but we will give you MLK Day because he's actually the second coming of Jesus Christ, right? You know, that's like how American politics look at MLK at this point. Um, so yeah, of course, we'll, we're, we're totally fine with you celebrating him. And especially if we, you know, cover over the part that like he was a, at least a somewhat socialist figure, you know, it, but they just cover that up. And, you know, obviously, and be like, oh, yeah, we'll celebrate him. But my point is more the, the timing, because basically I get New Year's Day off and then two weeks later I get MLK Day off and it just it's too close together. Juneteenth would be in the middle of the year. There's no other holidays nearby. It would be just a lot more, 
you know, I would like it a lot more for just the distribution of holidays. But that's not the point of this podcast. We're not uh, here to negotiate the union contract. Um, we are here to talk about wrestling with our good friend, second time guest host of the podcast. That's one thing I like about this show is that we don't have special guests. We have guest hosts. Our our guests are equal to us, just like, uh, as I said, just like MLK would like uh, as a, an ardent socialist is that we're all equals amongst men. We're joined once again on the podcast by Eamon Bell. Eamon, how you doing today? I'm doing good, guys. All right. Fred Hampton. Let's get into it. Um, no. Um, I, don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, poison. Um, pin okay. What's the difference between a poison pen letter and a, you know, possibly affiliated uh, assassin? And Fred Hampton just straight up being shot by FBI agents. I mean, really, when it comes to the FBI murdering you, which one is better? Which one's worse? I don't know. I think it's equal. Yeah, well, I, I just I think it's time that a, a white person from Europe has weighed in on the, uh, on the uh, racial history <laughs> sure. of America. Yeah. Um, like uh, like a lot of people on Twitter today, I've been thinking, how can I make this about me? Um yeah, thank you so sure. much, guys, for having me on again, especially on such a chill, uneventful day uh, of uh, professional wrestling. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how much we'll talk about, um, sure. but regardless, uh, I am super psyched to be on again, so thank you. Um, Quentin, you guys had a our... really good... Oh, go uh, just to say, yeah, you oh. guys had a really good recent um, guest with Joseph, so I'm happy to bring the average back down. Um, that's fair to people so your listeners don't get their expectations yeah it's, it's, it, it, it is hard to follow up my most famous son but yes. I, 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 I think we'll all try our best here yeah it's uh, joseph i mean i hate i hate doing it because i have to call him up and i and it's the funny thing about it is he's the easiest person to get a hold of set the things up make it work because he's like his time zone and my like my schedule work out really well to where I can like bring him on at the last minute half the time and he watches everything so he know but I always feel bad about calling him on because of exactly what you said it's like this guy is like you know so much bigger than us at this point and he'll just do it anytime I ask him the only thing is as I mentioned on the last podcast I did with him the only thing is is that when I try to record with him on Saturdays I'm always trying to start like around this time on Saturday and he's like well of course I've got to watch collision first he watches collision live to this <laughs> day like it's crazy to me that this guy still watches collision live every week it's like a big thing for him um he is, he is the realest collider yeah he's like will never die when it comes to colliding um so before we start recording we we're mentioning like other notable dublinders um dublin podcasters as we if it will amen um you do like to there is like a, a little phrase that you like to say when you're on the um must see matches podcast about like if you're looking for a uh an irish wrestling fan to talk about uh dragon gate and 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 alan is busy you're the first call or whatever is that the, is that the thing that you say um, yeah, well, the first the first call might be Ellen's wife Sarah, and sure. then uh, and then after both of them, then I think I'm next on the list. Okay, um, because here's the thing: I've gotten to the point now where Alan, I don't really think of Alan as a Dragon Gate guy. Like it did kind of cross my mind because he just did the the five star match game with the voices of or the open the voice gate guys, and I was like, 
Alan, there was a time when Alan was thought of as a Dragon Gate guy, right? Like he was an, a Dragon Gate fan. Is that yeah. true? Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I mean, honestly, Alan, Alan's was the main guy. I remember. I mean, I think the case is doing it too, but like Alan was the main guy pushing the idea that Shingo might just be the best wrestler ever. So, sure, I still sure. strongly consider Alan a Dragon Gate guy, if just for the fact that like he was like a one to someone that's like, no, Shingo Takagi might like you know is one of the five to ten best wrestlers ever and might be number one. That is a Dragon Gate guy thing to say. Sure. Yeah, I, guess. I, I I would he's definitely the guy I associate most with like Shingo for sure, at the least. Um I think well, that's a good story I guess about him th- like go ahead. Yo, yeah, go ahead. No, no, you. Uh no, I was gonna say I think I remember reading the story before about him watching a Shingo match live and getting like so into it and excited he like clotheslined the ring post. Um and I think he hurt his arm. But yeah, I he so he's definitely the guy I associate with Shingo the most. And then with Alan, I just I think of him as a guy who just like watches so much wrestling in general. It's almost tough to sure like assign a one particular type to him. Um, yeah, yeah, because he's he's kind of like a, a man of all talents when it comes to uh, like just being able to talk about different wrestling. I think at this point, being a Shingo guy, maybe that's part of it that I don't think of Shingo as a Dragon Gate guy anymore because he's been, you know, solid, even though it's not. Yeah, been been in New Japan for a while now, yeah. Yeah, and he integrated so quickly into New Japan, and then also Alan in general. I mean, I'm not, I hate to say it, but I'm just like not paying attention to Alan's content as much because he's on the torch, which I, you know, I, I really do appreciate the reason why he moved to the torch, and he did that a very long time ago comparatively to a lot of other people. Um, and, and like, it was respectable for why he did it, why he did make that move, you know, because obviously F4W is not run by the most scrupulous people, you know, it's just, it's just, it's really not, you know, it's, it's fucking sad, but, you know, just, just follow Bix's Twitter and see what, what he has to say about, uh, you know, Dave's support of Bat Riddle. Um, but yeah, like Alan was way ahead of the curve on that. And, you know, I'm sorry, if, I'm sorry if anyone hears that and, Thinks I'm like putting that on blast or whatever, but whatever. Um, like Bix blocked me ages ago on Twitter, and I sure. have no clue why. Yeah, I mean, he blocked me for the stupidest reason ever, and it was like you know PWO drama from ten years ago. Like, yeah, I I get you, but uh, but yeah. um, like the thing is, is that like I just I don't I think of Alan as more of like a historical wrestling fan now at this point. Like I think of him in that context as like a guy who's talking about farmer burns even if he doesn't know who terry funk is um you know like i do think of him as the kind of guy who's talking about retro wrestling at this point not uh not dragon gate but you know so like yeah like to think of alan and i do think that unfortunately like i think the the people who are thought of as the voices of of you know pun intended dragon gate fandom have kind of hurt (laughs) hurt the product in a lot of ways (laughs) because like they give Dragon Gate fans a bad name, whereas Alan at least was like, even if you didn't always agree with Alan, I think that he was always very likable. Um, anyways, that's not the point of what we were getting into. The point here was to, you know, talk about Eamon. Eamon, I think that you're not, uh, I think that you're really, you know, at the top of the list for reasonable Dragon Gate fans at this point. Um, I don't think that you should, <laughs> you should be giving, yeah. playing second well, fiddle to, to Alan. Well, th- thank you. I, I appreciate, listen, I'll, I, you know, um, Quentin, you talked about like wrestling sons, right? I'm in some ways. I think of them, it's like me and Mike Kilby uh, are like Alan Farrell's like wrestling sons. So, <laughs> um, 
you know, I have cooked that. I once cooked that man like a lovely dinner, and then we watched uh, Joe versus Necro and uh, Terry Funk, Jerry Lawler in my living room. So you know, uh, must have not Alan made much of an impression, the... seeing as he forgot Terry Funk so quickly after that. But you know, <laughs> so yeah, like Alan, Alan is always going to be the the man to me. Um, so there's there's much worse people sure. to be uh to be second fiddle to for sure. Um, <laughs> That's fair. As far as yeah, other. <laughs> Dragon Gate commentators, it's a little touch and go, let's say. Um, but um, I'm I'm super happy here to talk about it. Um, sure. And and because like it's it's a promotion that you know just like I don't it doesn't get as discussed as much relative to a lot of other places. Um, like you know like there's there's a bunch of places that talk about say New Japan for instance, or we'll talk about AEW or whatever. Um, or even something like Noah or DDT probably or, 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 or even stardom now was like yeah. definitely more talked about than Dragon Gate is. Um, but then I, again, I also think that's like one of the good things about this podcast, right? Um, not to put you guys over too much, um, instead of putting myself over, which is what I'm really here to do. But I always think you guys are like very good at highlighting lots of different places. Like I got turned on to places like Action and so I think uh, like. At least partially from you guys. Um, my girlfriend was also going to some of those shows, so I they, I was aware of them. But like, I always, I've always thought of you guys as like having like a very good like broad range of the wrestling you talk about. Um, I, I I do so appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, and mm. uh, and you know, as you mentioned, and this feels like a good enough lead-in that we might as well just transition into it. And if we're going to talk about some of that, you know, untroubling news stuff, we can talk about that later. So might as well ju- just jump into it because we're already here. And, uh, you know, you mentioned it. Uh, Stardom, Dream Queendom. All right. What do you guys think of uh, Mariah? I cannot believe she dropped. No. Um, Did you guys watch any of the Stardom show at, at all, actually, before we I think move it, on I, to the real? I think it was, I think it was used to, yeah. Okay. I might, like, watch. Um, I plan on watching Worlds End as we're, as we're recording is happening in sure. a few hours. So I plan on watching Worlds End. I didn't get a chance to watch the Stardom show, though. Sure. Um, I, mean, I mean, from what I heard about the technical issues, I'm not sure anyone was able to watch the Stardom show. Oh, okay. Hey, they yeah, got yeah. it up on YouTube really quick. Okay, they got it up there. Okay, all right. no one needs to. No one needs to be asking for you know. Uh, I okay. This wouldn't be an episode of this podcast without me doing this, but I gotta, I gotta just call it out, man. The fucking I was, I've been trying to actually enjoy this new a new podcast on the list for me. I have to give a shout out to Jay, um, you know, big time multiple guests of the podcast, JML for not just for shouting it out. He just told me, hey. You know, I was at, I asked him, hey, what are like good podcasts about Joshi? And he told me a bunch of them. And I checked out this stardom cast and like they fall into the really the, the worst thing that you can when it comes to wrestling podcasts. And, and it's part of what I think makes this podcast good is that they're like they are a stardom podcast. So they are like actually invested in the concept of stardom. And they were like really trying to defend the idea that WWE having a working relationship with stardom wouldn't be a bad thing. And I'm just like. This is the UK thing all over again. It's fucking crazy to hear somebody just so recently after that happened to be like, no, they're different now. They're not going to do that again. It's like this is that was only a couple years ago, man. Like they're going to do the same thing again. They're going to fucking destroy you either way. Um, the title matches, the top four matches on the Stardom show are all really good. Highly recommend. Check them out. Um, I guess similar to the Dragon Gate show that we can get into here, um, the title matches were pretty good everything else felt like kind of pointless um 
And we talked about the, you know, uh, let's say Dragon Gate commentators was the word that you said um, when, you know, kind of referring to it. But like literally Dragon Gate commentators, I have something to talk about when it comes to that um, on this show, because I did listen to the English commentary here. But um, I guess. I don't know, people like to do the thing. They're like, oh, overall thoughts, whatever, like. I guess we'll start out with the show. Let's go from bottom to top and we can do give overall thoughts on, on Dragon Gate once we get through it. Does that sound good for you guys, Quentin? Do you want to give like overall thoughts before we go? I don't know how, how, how you want to do it work for me. Okay. Um, so we open it up. There is a, uh, a kind of a, a, a six man with natural vibes who are basically the glue of the company. Um, who fill every role that they need to really well and are insanely entertaining, taking on a bunch of rookies. Um, this is a good spot as any for me to just talk about like a concept that crossed my mind, especially when we talk about, you know, Dragon Gate fans, Dragon Gate commentators, Dragon Gate in general is like just how different it is because Dragon Gate is just so much quicker, so much faster paced, not just in ring wrestling wise, but like the way that they do storylines, the way like the length of the title reigns, the length of the, you know, the the longevity of stables like Dragon Gate fans are Western, I, I should say Dragon Gate fans, because it seems like Japanese fans are still invested in natural vibes are like, you know, oh, natural vibes. I'm just ready for them to go. They're so stale. They're long in the tooth. They've been doing this. There's nothing left. Why do they still exist? All these guys could be doing better stuff. And then compare that to literally any stable in New Japan. Like, I don't think there's a single stable in New Japan that's that's been around you know less time than natural vibes and is like you know more st like less stale than natural vibes really like every stable in new japan is fucking stale and has been around for even tmdk like theoretically is a new stable for new japan has existed in noah and you know and oceana for decades at this point and to me instantly felt stale the second that they put them together even as a unit in new japan it's crazy compared to natural vibes who's like really really fresh still and interesting and yeah so they're in here taking on the rookies and these rookies i thought looked fucking great but it does again speak to like the speed of everything where it feels like every i don't know every two months every three months dragon gate has a new can't miss rookie who's gonna be the greatest thing ever he's already you know delivering at the level of like you know rookie akiyama how is this guy like, you know, in two months, he's going to be Dreamgate champion level. And it's like Tanaka and fucking even Nagano are like presented that way at this point already by a lot of people. Either way, this is like solid. Everyone here looked good. But um, I like UT with hair. Can I just shout that out? I think that the bald UT was like really kind of uh, uncanny and I didn't enjoy it. UT with hair is nice. Um and UT also plays off of another thing that I'll talk about here in a minute, but uh, let's just throw to uh, to Eamon. Eamon, what did you think about this opening six-man? Uh, I really enjoyed the opening six-man. I, I I actually thought this was maybe one of the better matches on the card, honestly. Um, I'm totally with you on natural vibes. Um, I think they are the best stable in wrestling. Um, like, right, like the, the dream is something between them and uh, Blackpool Combat Club, um, I and it's yes. it's almost like there's too many good wrestlers in it, and it and so it kind of unbalances the rest of the company. Would be the would be the only thing because there's like members I think in vibes now, 
and everywhere else it's like three or four people and all and all, um, and all the guys and vibes are like legitimately like really really good who could be doing a bunch of different stuff so like as much as i love vibes and i'm full cool with them being together for as long as say like the fucking jimmies were like it is a lot of really good guys in this unit yeah and like they're like this is like the third version of natural vibes um and they've like added people to it over the years and people have left um so it's it's a little ship of theseus except for kz um it's like you know as long as he's there it feels like natural vibes but yeah like the so, so but i don't know what you would do though with like all those guys like it looks like kamei is probably going to link up with um monte and kyo um i don't know would jason lee follow them would follow kamei Right. I would like to keep those two together because I think they're a great team. Um, the craziest thing they could probably do is a KZ heel turn. I don't, um, I, I, don't, I don't need that in my life. Yeah, we really don't. Neither do I. Yeah, I, I, I could see it though, right? Like if they were like, we need to spice things up, right? Okay, let's t- like KZ and Big Boss turn heel and they become a new, um, they become like the new leads on a heel faction. I could see it. Um, I don't. I don't particularly want to either because, like, I think KZ is still the best wrestler in the company, even if he's not necessarily put in like featured main events uh, spots. When you see him go, it's like, oh yeah, like he's still the guy. And even if he's not um, directly being given the job of main eventing, what he's doing is like helping guys like Kamei develop. And um, in terms of like young wrestlers now and in Dragon Gate, like I think Kamei is incredible. He's like he's the young rookie, like to me, um, at the minute that I'm most into and excited to see where he goes in wrestling. Um, and yeah, the other guys on the other team as well, like Ryoya Tanaka, they've put into decourage, so he's already taken the next step up. Um. And uh, Kaito Nagano, it, I love his like football soccer gimmick. Yeah. Um, the, and the, the fact that they, that like getting to call him like the best striker in Dragon Gate, I think is very funny. Um, <laughs> that, is, that is hilarious. Yeah, that's yeah. A, that's a great gag, and he he's the guy I would love to see on Excursion, just because if you think about that gimmick, how over it would be in Europe or Mexico. Yeah, for with, sure. With like the sports cultures over there. Um, it it would it would be insane. I I, you could put him anywhere, and I think he'd get super over. And also with um, both Nagano and uh, Tanaka, like they're both very good high flyers. But both both of them, it also feels like things go wrong, not all the time, but like uh, every once in a while. So there's still it's still a little bit exciting because the best thing with the high flyer. For me is when it looks like something almost goes wrong but then they they landed anyway and like when tanaka debuted there was like three times he tried to do lie insults and like either nearly overshot the person or undershot and landed with his knees or nearly landed on his head and it's like all right i this is maybe dangerous but it's super compelling and captivating to watch because i i'm i'm desperate to see what what's going to happen next here um so that's a cool like so yeah it's it's cool to see him 
um, I, getting bumped up to decourage now. I think he complements them really well um, because that faction needed a pin eater. Like, Daya is too good to be in that role in that unit. You need someone else to take the falls. Um, and then, yeah, they've got a spry youngster, uh, Shachi Hoko boy <laughs> as well. Um, yes. Yeah, who um, is, um, you know, God bless him. He was there too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Anyways, Quentin, what did you think about the opening six man here? Um, I thought the the highlight of it was probably the ending sequence with uh with J- with Jackie and Kaito Nagano. I thought that they had like some really really good chemistry on the stretch, and those two like elevated it from just being a typical Dragon Gate six or eight man opening match to like like um like Eamon said being one of the better matches on the card. I think that like that like that specifically good like falls on like those two having such good chemistry. So I would definitely want to see more of them interacting as their careers go on because what they did in that uh last uh segment was like really, really good. Um and similar to to this match, the the most recent show uh Dragon Gate did, um Nagano was in the opener for that as well. And like similar to this match, he got like quite featured at the end, getting lots of pin attempts. So, and it feels like they're making a point now that he hasn't had a win yet, but he's getting closer. Yeah. So I, yeah. I think hopefully like early next year we we might see like what the next step for Nagano is. Mm. Yeah, and and I agree with you know what Eamon, what you said there because I could definitely see Kame moving out of Natural Vibes, but I don't. The, the Kung Fu Masters team, I think, needs to be kept together, at least, you know, for the foreseeable future, because you've got just such a natural, not just a natural team, but such a natural challenging team that can basically you know, challenge for the Twin Gate titles at any point, no matter what. They really don't even need to be heated up. They can just be thrown out there and you're going to deliver a great match. So keep them together. And I think the real the real thing there is just to never try to turn them heel basically um yeah i i don't think kamei would ever work as a as a heel like yeah it, it it's a thing of like why would you even bother he's so good right. as a baby face and, and again it just my also it speaks oh, yeah no also just because you mentioned them um i don't know who we need to talk to but for mania weekend we need to get kung fu masters on blood sport oh yeah oh yeah that would, oh yeah, yeah that you know. Yeah, right? Them doing all the Kung Fu stuff on a shoot-style show, yeah, I think, would be, would be awesome. so sick. God, that would be so good for like, the first... Like, the first time they do a tag team match on Bloodsport, it's the Kung Fu Masters, would be perfect. And and no one in, like, a Bloodsport GCW crowd would, would know who they were. So right. if, if they came out and started doing, like, pressure point stuff, and, <laughs> like, stuff for, like, spots from, like, Shaw Brothers movies... Yeah, that's oh. perfect. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I would love them. I'm sure. I just had the thought of uh, of Jackie and uh, Jason Lee and Sup, and basically we just redo Vi- the Vows is Forever versus they might be giants, but with the Kung yes. with the fun- Kung Fu Masters instead. Oh yes. God, I I miss Sup <laughs> mm-hmm. so much. Like yeah. I'm I'm going to Tennessee next week uh, to visit my girlfriend, and I'm like, I was like, I added Kevin Koo, and I was like, Hey man, could you like bring Sup back and have a show like next week while I'm there. Can I, I don't know. Can I, I pay you to like just wrestle somebody? 
Yeah. Just find a random, find a random empty place and put some <laughs> canvas down on some wood. And can you wrestle, please? Yeah, he was like he put out a thing that was like, oh, like what teams are left uh, for uh, like me and Dom to wrestle? And it's like I don't know. It's probably easy enough to get a Dragon Gate tour. I'm I'm sure you guys could get sure. over there, no problem, right? Uh, yeah, um, might as well. Uh, have you got? Yeah, you know, why not? Um, we can put we can put them in gold class. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's perfect, <laughs> perfect spot for them. Yeah, yeah. Ku um, hitting his double gun pose uh, in between Menorah <laughs> and uh, Ben K, who were just like out of their minds on steroids. It'll be sick. <laughs> perfect. Um, well, on the same vibe of talking about people who you know work as baby faces, we've got Hio taking on uh, Genki Horiguchi. Um, and I just I don't know. I mean, I know it's quick. And I think, you know, obviously the the vibe is is this. I think this is like the epitome of that thing where they try to go like, oh, you know, when you switch babyface heel, whatever, like uh, you're, you're you know, you're so refreshed that you're like a different guy. And I feel like that's kind of the vibe because it feels to me like, yo, going back to being the open, the Brave Gate champion was just like way too fast um, and doesn't quite make sense here. And then also, I think that like, I so far this babyface run just feels not like not bad because the stuff with him and Monte works when they're together, but just babyface Hill at this point as the Bravegate champion in this match, like, and his presentation doesn't work for me. Um, the the look, the vibe with the suspenders and the contacts, I just it just it really shot to me he's this is like doing like family friendly pheromones is what it feels like like i really am like okay is this big hug unit gonna end up just being like dragon gate doing like a again like a family friendly version of the pheromones gimmick here are they gonna be like male strippers but get, especially when you look at like monte's like sheer know, long sleeve shirt that he's wearing in the main event like okay it really does feel like they're going like super sexy boys like okay this is i don't know what we're doing here but uh quentin <laughs> Beyond what I'm talking about with Hyo, like obviously Genki was really good at what he, you know, his role here. But what did you think about this match? I like the match. I thought it was good. I probably had a bit higher expectations because I'm still someone who's holding on to my Hyo stock, like uh, very, very uh, uh, passionately. Still, he's a like very like solid mid Carter, but like I've like been still holding out. Like ah, I think there's still something more there. So I don't I think you're him. wrong. I don't think you're wrong to have that feeling. I just think that he's he's such a better heel. I mean, I just think it shows here that he's yeah. better as a heel. Yeah, I'm I'm still in the place of he's like he was a heel for so long that like I just want to see how like how I feel about it like next year. But like you could very well be right about that. He was just a heel for so long that I just want to like make sure though but like i'm all sure. with you there um with with this match I thought, I thought it was solid i probably had a little bit of bigger expectations because of the two in the, the two involved in it and like you know this one wasn't like really meant to get like a ton of focus on the card and i get that but i thought i thought i thought it was solid enough um to the point of hyo winning the brave gate again recently for me I like Ishin, and maybe uh, 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 you or Eamon have like have a different opinion than me. But like, 
the Asian Bravegate stuff like didn't really like resonate uh, like a ton with me that I saw, and I felt like this was maybe kind of like figuring out a way to put some more like stability on the belt or just kind of like figure out like maybe we should do something different with Ishin because I thought there was some good stuff but nothing that like felt to me like him like oh this is a clear elevation for him this and that and like the match is blowing me away like I just wasn't there with it and putting the title back on Hill just feels like a move for stability and like we'll find something different for Ishin to do so I feel like maybe Hill doesn't have the title for very long but at the same time if they're starting out this new stable with Mont with, with Monte and Hio and eventually probably adding more people to it, then I don't know. But I think that Hio's move was like less about Hio and kind of like figuring something else out for Ishan, I think. I could yeah. I could see like Dragon Gate just thinking like, okay, like Big Hug is the is the hot hand at the minute. Let's get belts on those guys. And if you're putting the belt on like the main belt on Monte then since at the minute those guys are just a tag team, it looks cool if Hyo is also the Brave Gate champion. For sure. Um, yeah, just to like really put the act yeah. over the top. Um, because then it's like, oh, it's our, you know, our our dream game. Like, here are our new uh baby faces who are kind of doing like different kinds of sexy. Um so I I feel like the the overall vibe is like a little bit less when they're together. Because Diam, like uh, I, I still call him Diamante, but uh, Luis Monte. That's fine. Like, they want the to keep calling yeah. him Diamante as well. Yeah. So you know it's okay if you do because they wish that yeah. they could keep calling him that if it wasn't for Ultimo Dragon. Ultimo. Well, we'll talk about it later. But I was trying to figure out who Ultimo reminded me of, and I figured out he's the dra- modern Ultimo in Dragon Gate is kind of like um, Pearson Community. I feel like where okay. everyone else is doing their own thing and then like Chevy Chase just comes in and it's like he's just being like dropped into scenes or whatever or sure. like like the Pierce character wants to make things about himself. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah that, but... that, that, that's how I thought about Ultima ever since they brought him back and they've been in a relationship. It's like, hey, it's cool that like you guys are all like on good terms again, but like I don't really need him on the shows either though. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. or I don't need I don't need him to be in like a prominent spot. Yes, um, nothing beyond the yeah. second match. Uh, we're fine. He should um, be basically. They should be using Ultimo Dragon the way that you know the other promotions use like Kenta Kobashi. You know, where like he shows up, he you know he gives the titles to to like the the winners when they win. He cries at the right times and then he weirdly uh stumps for random joshi wrestlers hornily to be like presented more strongly that's what that's what i want at ultimo dragon at this point yeah i have to imagine though in his mind he's like i'm worth too much money like i i'm still money uh like he he strikes like he strikes me as like a, a businessman right i think for him it's like he wouldn't want himself to be seen as a non-active legend type figure um because if he's wrestling it's easier for him to sell his masks or whatever um but yeah big hug like yeah i think they're going for like different kinds of horny because with monte it's like you know he's got the long hair and he's got the shirt and it feels like he's going for kind of a like a pirate on the cover of of like a romance novel 
Um, and, but then sure, you've got sure. Hyo coming out in like with like baby oil and suspenders, and it's it's like a Chippendale situation when yeah, his yeah. like big high spot taunt is slowly taking down his suspenders while he's on the ropes. Um, so I don't know what's going to happen when Kamei joins that group. Uh, I oh, I live no. in fear. No. Right, he's gonna like slowly take off the dungarees or something. It's it's not gonna work. It's gonna yeah. change. It's gonna change what that group is like very quickly. I think. Yeah, um, I mean, he's gonna be funky yeah. sexual. <laughs> Calling up, yeah, yeah. Uh, fun- funky sexy Jackie. Mm. Okay, um, but yeah, I, I thought the match it's, the match itself was was fine. Um, like it wasn't anything special, but uh, I didn't have super high expectations of this one just because. Like Genki isn't the wrestler he was even a couple of years ago, um, and I don't think of Hio as a great work rate guy. How dare I think you. he's more? Yeah, I think of him as uh, I think of Hio. No, I think of Hio as like a great like character guy and like charisma and things like that. I think he's like great on that, and I think he can be in great matches. But if it was a situation where Hio was the one who had to hold up kind of the the wrestling wrestling part of a match i'd be a little suspect um but yeah i i thought they were they were both fine here for sure um i don't know if they've announced yet who the next brave gate challenger is going to be but um i'd be interested in seeing it be maybe like like daya or someone like that or even maybe one of the younger guys like if it was like nagano or someone who could like push the pace a little bit um i'd like to see what like babyface hyo in an environment like that would be like um because i think then we'd get like maybe a bit more of a clearer idea and also again brave gay champion they're gonna have to put more people into big hug because like monte is not going to take pins so and they probably don't want hyo taking the pins right now since those two it feels like are the most popular act in the company um so yeah, we'll it'll be interesting to see. I feel like we're definitely gonna get some like unit reshuffling happening pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, I think the tough part with that is that like as you said, the natural this is why I go back to what I, you know, said at the very beginning that Quentin is like, you know, holding out to see what what we get is like when you talk about the natural pairings for Hyo, you're talking about some like really strong babyface wrestlers like Daya, you know, Kamei, like even you know, uh, Jack or Jason Lee, like you're talking about UT, wrestlers like UT. who, UT. yeah, you're talking about wrestlers who are like baby face, baby faces. And that's why, yo, cause you want someone who's going to bring the action. And that's why it's so tough to have baby face, yo, because when it comes to the action side of things, he's not really quite there, but what he is good at is doing, you know, playing the heel side of it. So, you know, against like natural, you know, workers who are going to bring the excitement, Sure, he's perfect in that role. In this role, he's like it's just tough because how do you? Genki was fantastic again as like someone to go against him here because Genki is such a great sympathetic babyface who can just like sell and make this stuff work. It's like it's almost like and this would be a major step down for him. But the only other wrestler who I see on the roster who could like fit the role that would that Hill really needs as a challenger is like someone like Strong Machine. Strong Machine is so good as a, you know, an underdog selling baby face that he or, or you know what I mean? That, like he could like be able to hit that side of things and like let Hyo shine in his way and make his stuff look good. But 
Otherwise, it's like they don't really have any heels that like can show ass the way that you would need someone like Hyo to 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 make this work. And then and then you're really like scraping the, well, the like, bottom of the barrel. Well, I think that maybe like we're getting like because we're think, like looking at it in such like the baby face and heel way that like you're absolutely right that his natural rivals are still on the baby face side, which makes things a little weird. But I could also just see it being a thing where, where Hyo wrestles however like the matchup lines up that night. So it just not being like, oh, Hyo's like in a face unit now. So it means he's like gonna wrestle as like from underneath as a baby face all the time, but it's gonna like depend on the matchup, which I don't really have an issue with that either. It just kind of like depends on how they do it. So if they revisit like say like Dragon Daya, like Obviously, in that obviously in that context, Hyo would probably still work on top facing Dragon Daya, but it's just not as like yeah. overt like Z Brats like heel chicanery shit, and it's more like a straight up mash that might have like more of like a direct uh, limb based story or whatever like that they're that they're going for. So like, I feel like that may be it. I still feel like there's thing like there's things that you said that obviously need to get worked out, especially for. Brave Gate challengers, like I'm looking at the card and I'm like, okay, like I have no problem seeing like Hio versus Kagatora. Like, I've like, sure. you know, if, if we wanted to do that for like the next challenger or whatever, and uh, someone that seems like fe- like feasible, a good win, a good win for him or whatever, like that. But I feel like Hio might just be a case where like it just depends on who's wrestling any given night. That's fair, and and I mean, that is really how it should be. Um, the one final thing I want to hit on this match before we move on, um, and I just have to because I mentioned I, I set it up earlier, so I can't uh, I can't drop it. Is talked about the commentary, the commentators, Dragon Gate commentators, and things that they say. Um, this match really hit something that that just absolutely stuck in my craw um, on the commentary from from Dragon Gate J, famous, you know, well known in the Western worlds. I love Dragon Gate J. I, you know, I've appreciated everything he's done for decades and decades. And this is not necessarily even something where I'm like, oh, you know, he's such a bad guy or whatever. But I think it speaks to something that I see in day to day life where people are so blind to like themselves in the context of the world around them and, and the standards that they hold other people to. Um, during this match, Dragon Gate J is explaining the history and the story of um, the black backside from heaven. Right. Um, a pretty famous finishing hold for Genki Horiguchi. Um, and he talks, he's explaining to uh to Jason Lee, I think is on commentary with him, where the 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 term, you know, and the and the name of the backslide from heaven comes from and how it like has to do with the translation and the word between like hair and heaven, I guess, and Japanese words are like similar. And and then they're like, oh, did he, you know, at some point, Jason Lee is like, oh, did he mean to, you know, call it that or whatever? Because he doesn't have a lot of hair on his head, but he has a lot of, you know, support from heaven or whatever. It was like the way that Jay explained it. Oh, no. And what Jay said was, that was actually, I coined the term on accident a long time ago on websites because I mistranslated stuff and I just came up with it. And then over the years, he, you know, picked up on that and people picked up on it and then that's what became like the the, the thing that people called it and that's fine right like against uh, just out of context everything about that is fine the problem with that in context is that um dragon gate j has 
spoken in insane vitriol and been a complete and utter jerk about Excalibur calling um, vertical suplexes brain busters because of what he himself referred to as mistranslations from Fire Pro Wrestling where they called the vertical suplex a brain buster, but it's not really a brain buster. And so to be the guy who like picks that out and fucking is just shitty about it towards Excalibur being like, oh, you're on commentary and you're just calling move names based on stuff that you saw on Fire Pro, but it's wrong because you don't know Japanese. And then meanwhile, you're the motherfucker who was the source of a mistranslated wrestling move name that became a thing culturally yourself is like, it's fucking insane. It's insane. Like, it's a double standard thing where I'm just like, dude, like you did the same thing he did in equally big way. Why are you so shitty to him about it when you like actually did it yourself? And I just when I heard him explaining that story to Jason Lee and I know the background that he's like talk shit about Excalibur. I was just so taken aback where I'm just like, God, like I've always I like Jay and he's surly and whatever. But I'm just like, man, dude, like you like you really cannot see yourself, you know, in other people. It's it's crazy to me. I just over the years, I've gotten more and more like seeing that the way that people are where they cannot put themselves in context. I'm just like, you know, but it's me like, you know, it's different because I, I know that when I did it, I like, I had nothing but good intention, but when other people do it, they meant to be bad. It's like, no man, everybody just had good intention. We're all just people, you know, trying to figure it out. Everyone makes mistakes. So yeah, that was, I just had to hit that before we move on. Um, See, this is what happens when Ho Ho Lun isn't there to also do commentary. That's true. Yeah. Cause he would have just been like, Oh, that's great. Yeah, it just kept going. Um, I was definitely watching. I was like, I need Ho Ho Loon and Caprice Coleman on a commentary team together. Oh, <laughs> right. Oh. You imagine yeah. Ho Ho Loon on like the Deadlock like uh, commentary <laughs> team. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, um, that's but that's what we need. But yeah. Either way, like I said, I just I just had to get that off my chest because I'm just like, man, you did this. How do you? Uh, anyway. The six-man tag here, um, Pagatora. Who cares? Uh, this is bad. Five okay. Minutes yeah. Five. I, th- th- this is Eamon, kinda, this is you. This if you want to talk about this, we don't want to talk about this. Fucking cares. No, I got I got nothing to say about this. Okay. Um, <laughs> All right. Eight-man tag. I um, also got I, um, nothing to say on the eight-man tag. If you guys want to talk about the eight-man am... tag, feel free. Um, uh, I, I will say about the, about the six-man, I guess, real quick. Uh, I'm kind of good on M3K. I don't. I. I. I know. Um, Conda. Know that they are that they're tag team, tag of, the team of the year. Yeah, 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 tag team of the year. Suzumu and Conda. They had like four good matches. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't. I'm good. I don't need to see like dudes in their forties on scooters anymore. I think it looks really lame, and <clears throat> it, a lot of it kind of felt like it hurt Mochizuki Junior to me a little bit because it's like a young guy hanging out with his dad and his dad's friends who are trying to all look cooler yeah, it's, it's, it's very lame it's very lame yeah, yeah. it's not like do like i like the jackets it's, i guess but otherwise yeah no get rid of it it's also not just that it's lame it's also like presenting it like you know Honda and um and susamu are like still really good re- and susamu actually the crazy thing is that I hear more praise for Kanda than Susumu, and Susumu is actually the better wrestler of the two. 
um, which I think is the craziest part about the whole thing. I think there's just way lower expectations for Conda. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so he's had, like, actually, like, a pretty good year by, like, most, by, like, it's been, like, a pretty good year by regular standards. But I think Conda has lower than regular expectations. So it feels like he's over-delivered. Yeah, it's fair. it's That's like fair. Kanda absolutely has like different expectations than Sus than than, than Susumu has ever had. Like I guess ever since the neck injury is like in sure. like whatever he's been trying to figure out since then, like the standards he operates by, and we've watched all these Kanda matches and him in all these different units and these tags and whatever, just be just happened to not be I wouldn't say Kondo was ever bad. He's had bad moments, but just like Definitely not good. And this is just the first time in which way we've seen him be like, okay, like there's actually like some frequency in you being like pretty all right and having good matches. But no, of course Susumu's better than <laughs> Sushi Khan. Yeah. yeah. And I'll have space to to take because I, I, a point just hit me, but I feel like we've spent more time than I meant to to talking about this fucking six man match. So I'll, I'll bring up this point later because there's a good crossover to talk about it. Eight, the eight man tag. This is where I said, I don't have anything to say about it. Maybe you guys do. So I'm going to let you, uh, I'm going to let you guys fight it out. And Quentin, this is our house. This is, you know, human TR. So you're the, you take the lead and, you know, you decide if you want to throw it to Eamon, but, you know, talk about the eight man tag. Cause I, I could not give a fuck about this match. Um, um, Casey's here. No, so I got for you. Casey is in the match. Yeah. So I got yeah. There wasn't, there wasn't much to this. Um, either it was it was fun seeing Doi do the dance. That you know, I enjoyed that. Um, that was awesome. I did, I did enjoy that. I did like that. Yeah, and and then later on he started breaking out like the the Magnum Tokyo stuff because I think just like like that's actually what they teach you in the Dragon Gate Dojo is the Magnum Tokyo <laughs> dance. And then at any given moment, like it it can be activated in a Dragon Gate wrestler's head. Um, are they, are, yeah, are, are, the, are the Dragon Gate wrestlers just sleeper agents? Yes. Absolutely. I think they all have like an activation phrase and then they <laughs> they turn into like Italian connection. Um but yeah, I I the, the match wasn't anything special. Um uh I did think Doi looked good in it. Um I've actually been thinking a bit about Doi recently. Um based on what like uh like Joseph has been talking about recently about the guys who, about like wrestlers who have had like really good years that aren't necessarily match of the like full of match of the years but great sure. individual performances and have just put out a lot of good work and i haven't been keeping up with it just because it's been so spread out about in between different companies but i'd be really curious to see if someone looked at like naruki doi's whole 2023 because he's wrestled in korokin like 40 times this year yeah, doi's wrestled a yeah. lot like it's yeah, yeah. It's so weird. I don't understand what is going on with Doi other than like he just kind of like doing his own thing, which like, hey, I get it. You were in Dragon Gate in this rigid system for however long. I understand that. But then like because he's doing the freelance thing and because there is kind of like some limits to like what he can do, like biggest thing that like we've seen him do was like the universal title stuff in DDT. And I guess he like he did like he did what he did win the junior title in all Japan, but it's like just like man he's just kind of all over the place and like he's he's solid and all this stuff but definitely not like having anything great but it's like it's, 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 he's wrestled so many times this year like i'm like 
really kind of like in awe about it. Yeah, like I feel like yeah. he might have like a really great like vo- in terms of like wrestlers with the best volume of like 2023. Like if you put all of his stuff together for like the best stuff from all the different companies he's been in, um, I think you'd probably have like a really interesting like compilation. Um, wow. And yeah, I'm wondering and- if like he's going to like retire soon and he's just trying to get as many bookings as he can before he goes and like just becomes a personal trainer or whatever. Because um, I, I definitely thought Doyle was slowing down. I thought that, that was what what that was. I thought he was like you know doing last thing for a little bit, then he was eventually going to slow down. Then he decides that he's just going to have like a hundred plus matches this year. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been insane. Um, but like yeah, God, God bless him. And then uh, and wow. like even like the the show after this. Um, there, it's a he's in a tag match. It's like him and Yamato against Ada and Dragon Kid, and he like shows up and puts in effort into that and is really good. And it's so it's like I don't know. Like I thought he would wind down as well, but I apparently there's still gas in the tank. Um, but yeah, well, like uh, so, luckily yeah, for both of you. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, luckily for both of you guys, you happen to be on the the number one doyologists of the past year because i have actually been paying attention to doys like run in ddt in all japan and a little bit in big japan when i can find stuff because i'm not gonna pay for stuff but you can find it there and um i get why looking at it on paper you might think that there's something there to make a case for but Unless you really thought that this was a great Doi performance here, and you know, if you thought that this was a great Doi performance in this match, um, then I I think you could make a wrestler of the year case for him. But realistically, like he has been solid. He's had some good stuff. The best match on on my books for him. Um, okay, now I'm thinking about it because on for a long time it was the 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 cannon match in DDT for the universal title, which was like the best that match that he had, but, that and that was solid. Yeah, yeah. But then now I'm thinking, okay, the junior power of glory, uh, tournament, he was our battle of glory. He did have some good matches in there. Um, I'm trying to think like looking at it, like, is there one that would definitely knock it out of the, I think I would look at the cannon match and I would look at the Abe match. And those are like probably his, best two matches outside of dragon gate um and the thing that really speaks to me when you talk about like again hitting the uh hitting the the manchurian candidate button you you know you got you hit the phrases you hit the right code words and this he brings out the the social dance aspect anyone who saw this eight man tag and were like shocked that he was doing the dance here with natural vibes all you're really doing is you're telling on yourself um, because you're what you're telling me is that you have not been following Doi all year because Doi has already proven his ability to hit these dances because he's had a long-term feud with Harada and every one of those matches has included Doi doing the Harada dance, putting on the glasses, <laughs> having the light. So he's been doing dance move matches for like six months because the Doi Harada feud was going on for like half the fucking year. Um, and it was there was a ton of really cool stuff there. There was including a match where at one point they put screens around in the middle of the ring and Harada and Doi switched gear during the match. Like they both stripped naked and changed clothes with each other. 
Um, so yeah, like this Doi has been definitely hitting the dance moves and he's proven that he can dance. So when he was joining natural vibes, I mean, it was like, as far as I was concerned, it was like bong bong. We already know what's happening here. Doi is going to hit the natural vibes dance. No problem. Um, so yeah, like if, if Doi had hit the ground as a freelancer running and had been great, I would have been talking this up. I've watched all of the Doi this year. He definitely has a lot of volume and he has a lot of very solid matches, but there is not a ton of meat on the bone when it comes to great performances. Um, it's just, it's not, it's just, it's, I'm not saying it's bad. He's got, you know, in again, in the junior power of glory, he's got two matches with Dan Tamaro that are both really solid. The Abe match is great, but Abe, it's like, it's Abe. The rising Hayato match is good. Um, he's got the match with Cannon. He's got a match with Ueno that's really solid for the Universal title. Like, there is stuff there. There's trios matches. There's a ton of trios matches in there that are good. Um, he's got a match with Aoyogi, Atsuti Aoyogi, for the um, junior heavyweight title that's really good. But, like, there is not, like, wrestler of the year. Uh, would he make the top 50? I think so. I think he could end up making my top 50. But I do not think that he has a solid wrestler of the year case. How would it compare to someone like Orange Cassidy? Oh, Orange Cassidy blows him out of the fucking water. Orange Isn't Cassidy okay. has so many amazing matches. So many amazing, yeah. just specific performances. Um, yeah, like, no, no, no. Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy's probably going to end up in my top 10. Yeah, I would be the same. Because, like, in my head, like, yeah. like, the two best volume wrestlers this year are, like, Orange and Athena. Right. Um. So I was wondering, like, who's, like, the best equivalent over sort of on, like, kind of the Dragon Gate area. And it, it, in that case, it might be someone like Kamei. Um, Kamei, if you're going to talk about Dragon Gate, you're talking about Kamei, Jason Lee. Those two are, like, the, the volume guys. If you're going to talk about yeah. Japan in general, Abe. I think Abe has a volume case that's actually there. The other one, and we'll get yeah, to him later. And he's, he, he, he's, yeah, oh. Abe has, like, the volume, and then he's also just got, like, the very high highs as well. Like, he's right. got the best of both worlds. Right. And then another volume case that's kind of sneaky, especially when you talk about not Dragon Gate, but just all of Japan, is is Kiyomiya. Because he's got a volume case. He's got a different places. But again, we'll talk about him very shortly. But he's got a, a very good case when it comes to just, like, different, different places, different roles, and then also insane, you know, performances. But uh, before we do that, let's open. Let's talk about the open the triangle gate title match. Um, you've got the the team of the the cabinet, the, you know, Abraham Lincoln's cabinet, the the group of rivals, Punch Tabanaga, Yamato, and Dragon Kid. Um, the collection of just random people taking on the Zebrats team of Ishin Kai and Yoshiki Kondo. Um, Kaito. Kaito. Yeah. Um, if you're into like this storyline, I guess maybe you're into it. If you're not into the Punch Tamanaga storyline, maybe you're not so into it. Um, it felt like the wrong time to switch the titles, but also at the same time, it's like might as well. Um, but to me, it's just like you're switching a lot of titles anyways, and this doesn't feel like the culmination of a story in any way. But I guess whatever. The only thing that would make sense I, out of it, coming out of it, is that you want Kaito to be something, 
So you want him to win the title here, but Eamon, you know, you're jumping in there. You're champing at the bit. Give us give <laughs> give me your thoughts on the match and and what I had yeah. to say there. Um yeah, no, I would say with this I like it not feeling like a culmination. I feel like we already had the culmination was punch winning and getting the belt. Um and you know, like sometimes you have champions who are there to have reigns and sometimes you are there to have champions just have the title win moment and I think you'd get into diminishing returns very quickly with like punch going longer than like two months as a champion. Um, and I also think they wanted to belt up Kato. Um, I, I'd be very curious um, hearing the, hearing your guys thoughts that he has, uh, it was already known that he was like a former police officer. Uh, and now he has bad cop written on his gear. Um, so like, Leaning into ACAB sure. as a heel gimmick is uh is certainly a choice. They J dropped that he was a second generation cop as well. Oh um, my god. <laughs> yeah. That's rough. Yeah. It was like um oh, because they were talking about um second generation wrestlers and how oh Ishan, you know, doesn't have his family's last name anymore because he wants to prove it on his own. And um, they were like, yeah, Kato was the same because his dad was also a police officer. But Kato was like, I'm going to become a police officer at a different like precinct. So it doesn't look like my dad is helping me. Um, so, yeah, that's um, that's heel heat, I think. Uh, I agree, but, but I've talked about it. It's, culture is so different that like Japanese cops it are is, not the same is. as American cops. But I definitely still agree with you. You know, in general, but yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. I I think it's I I think that's like very funny, um. But yeah, I I think Kato looked good, and I think that's the that's the goal here is make Kato look strong. Um, you know, he was out for a while. He had a bad eye. In, he had like an eye injury. Um, but thankfully he's he's bounced back. Um, I think he's he was what he's again. He's another rookie that showed a lot of promise and potential like pretty much as soon as he um debuted like they had the tag tournament this year where him and uh kaito nagano were a team together and i don't think they won any matches but like they were very like, good together and entertaining um and he's like pretty big which is not always super common in dragon gate in particular uh like sure. he's tall he's like a clearly like a shingo fan um so i yeah, I, I think this is right. Like the point here is we want to elevate Kato up more. And also we know we've got Mochizuki Jr. coming in. Like we'll hopefully be returning in a couple of months. And so if we can have Kato hot for like when Mochizuki Jr. returns, like we can get probably like a really nice cork and match between the two of them. Yeah, I mean, that this Z-Breath scene is very interesting because it's like, three generations three versions of the same guy you know it's it's and i love the the commentary putting it over as like it's power 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 it's all it's all power team you know but it's like but when you really look at it it's like it's also just like what what, where they are like who they like what their role is because you've got con and it's it's even more interesting because it's like you've got kai who's kind of in a weird way like on borrowed time he got like a second life as this guy in Dragon Gate, and he's really taken to it. You've got, you know, um, 
Kato, who's like just starting out in this as this guy. And then you've got Ishan who feels like he could be skipped over in his role as this guy, you know, like, and that's the, yeah. it's a very unique kind of vibe in the team where it's just like, okay, you've got the old guy who's just like, I'm happy to just be here and still doing it. You've got the new guy who's ready to take the spot and you've got what should be the current guy in this role being like, Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> like, hold on. Yeah, this I, new guy's not ready to take my spot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like, and like Ishan has been like clearly like put with Kai to learn from him, and it's it's so funny now because I feel like it's like Ishan, it's 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 like a uh, Looper looking at like him and Kai together now. It's like yeah. if things go wrong for Ishan, he sees like like uh the future version of himself where he makes bad life choices uh yeah. with Kai, um. But, um, like, you know, Kai is a guy who, like, obviously knows a lot about pro wrestling. There's probably worse guys to put young wrestlers with to pick up a few things. Um, and yeah, like, I, I like Ishin. Like, I think he has good moments. Um, I think Kato, at the minute, jumps off the page a bit more. Sure. Um, so, I, it'll be interesting to see what Ishin's 2024 is like. Because um, I... I hope for his sake he doesn't get kind of lost in the shuffle. Um, it does feel like whatever happens with the heel units, he should stay a heel. I think he's probably better suited to that at the minute. Um, but yeah, and it's it's funny, like as well, talking about how like, oh, I'm supposed to be doing this, and then Kato came in and is also doing it, but maybe doing it like better. Um, because like Kato turned on Mojizuki Jr. to join Z Brats and the year before. Uh, he should turn on Mochizuki yeah. Jr. No, no, to join no. Zebrats. Honestly, I think there's there's really begging the question if Mochizuki Jr. is just if he just had bad vibes. No, I think we're seeing, I think we're here, you know, two people do the yeah. same thing at some point, you know, he just had, might have just had bad vibes. Yeah, some kid, sometimes your kid is fucked. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think there was a thing at one point they were pushing the idea that all of like Mojizuki Jr.'s like classmates hated him <laughs> because he gets like special treatment because he's Mochizuki Jr.'s kid. That's um yeah. which I actually think that's like a good dynamic. Like not him necessarily being a heel, but all his like peers resenting him because he's a Nepo he, baby. Yes, yeah. Great. Yeah, he's like yeah. he's a Nepo baby. <laughs> yeah. Well, um we'll see. Uh, yeah. It's um it's a very 2023. It's a very modern gimmick. <laughs> um Nepo baby and his boomer dad. Dra 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 Dragon Gate always out of the curve. <laughs> yeah. Quentin, what did you think of the Triangle Gate match? As we've already talked it to death, like outside of the ring. Um it's a it's a vehicle for Kato, and I thought that it, like uh, like for like for that for those purposes that I thought it served his purpose. Like I thought that Kato looked good in it, and that's like really the whole thing here. He gets the he gets the pin, and like that's like the whole thing. So it's fine. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a solid match. Like I don't really take a ton away from this. Uh, look, I I've watched Dragon Gate enough over like the course of my life. I've seen a couple of Punch Tamanaga like miracle runs. I didn't need another one in the first place, so I was already kind of out on it when I saw <laughs> when I saw it happening a few months ago. Um, no, no problem with them or anything against them. It's just like I've seen it already. I've seen this movie before. Like I'm, I'm cool on this. Um, so like I already wasn't really into like the 
story with him in the Triangle Gate, but you know, with Yoshi with um, Yo- um, Yoshiki uh, Yoshiki Kato, like I think that he's very very good. I'm in- invested in the scene where he goes. I like him as the new young heel. Um, in the wake of like FBK leaving, more than I like the idea of Ishin being that. To be honest, so I guess we'll we'll see we'll see how that goes. But it's the match served its purpose. Yeah, yeah, I have to agree with that. Um, get next get the open the twin gate title match uh, for the vacant titles. We got gold class team of Ben K and uh, Kota Minora taking on the Noah team of Kaito Kiyomiya, um and Alessandro. I mentioned this uh, Alejandro, whatever. Um, I mentioned it earlier. Kind of Kaito Kiyomiya when you talk about the volume and the kind of um, variability case, a guy who really should end up in a lot of people's wrestler of the year conversation, even if he won't unfairly. Uh, but I'm not gonna belabor the points. I kind of have bigger talking points to get into. Um, post, you know, what you guys have to say. One thing I did want to talk about on this, and, and I'll just, you know, use this as like a part of a framing of it. Ben K. Uh, conversation as one of the best tag team wrestlers in the company, a guy who I think, you know, was presented as a Dreamgate level champion. But when you really stop and look at his career, like uh, just a phenomenal tag team wrestlers, just so good at playing that role, like as making another guy look great and, and all the spots that he does, like he's such a great tag team wrestler, but Eamon, like, what did you think about this match? And what do you think about kind of that framing there? Because I think Ben K probably underlooked as a great all-time great tag team wrestler, all-time great Dragon Gate tag team wrestler. Yeah, I, I think that's an interesting idea for sure. And I I could see it definitely. I think Ben K is probably better. Kind of every Dragon Gate wrestler is almost better suited to multi-mans and tags than singles matches. Um but Ben K is definitely in that camp for me. Um, I think he's better at that type of stuff than like it's like singles main event Ben K. I I'm a little skeptical of even still all these years later. Um, I I think it's much safer having him in a tag team where he can like do cool spots and things like that. And he's very good on the apron, uh, cheering the other guy on, like especially in his current kind of hip hop gimmick. Um. And like you know, he like uh, he had like the team with Shimizu and all that. So I could I could see it, right? Ben as like one of the best like tag wrestlers, and I I like him and Minora together. Um, like it was like Minora to me is a guy who's like great in the ring, but doesn't always have personality and can kind of disappear a little bit. And then you've got like Ben K, who at the minute has so much personality and charisma, but I don't think of as being as reliable bell to bell quite as much so i think they complement each other really well and then they're also just both like the most jack guys on the roster um which also like is like a like i think a fun um dyma- dynamic to have in a, in a company like dragon gate um the tag match itself i really liked um i think this might be the best match on the show um i thought alejandro was fine and i, I thought kiyomiya came off great in this I don't watch a ton of him. Uh, I've seen bits this year and before, but like not following Noah and not following New Japan regularly 
I don't see him too often, but so, you know, I see him a couple of times a year, um, but I thought he looked excellent here, especially him and Menorah. Just like those guys standing beside each other. I was like, oh, this, this is something like these two in particular. I don't know. Should like this be a, a tag team or a feud, but these two look like they should be together in like wrestling, like in the same matches because I, I think they match up well. Um, and yeah, like the the wrestling, I thought was really good. That like um, weird modified like tiger suplex into a tiger driver thing, Kiyomiya did. I thought looked awesome. That was maybe the best move of the night, uh, apart from uh, Kukuda nearly like breaking his neck, jumping out of the ring. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah. Oh, that was. We'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. But yeah, I th- I think uh, I think this was a really strong match. It's kind of cool having the belts on outsiders because now it sets up the tension of like a Dragon Gate team having to get the belts back. Um, I always think that's a nice dynamic. It's the second time this year as well, and Noah team has won the has won their tag titles, which is maybe which is interesting. It's happened twice because Congo won it earlier this year. Um, and I don't know what the the plan is here if they're waiting on until um. Yuki Yoshioka is healthy for him and Daya to get the belts back, but I don't know what the ETA is on Yoshioka, uh, which is a shame. I, uh, Tim, I think you said like a couple of shows ago you weren't as high on Yoshioka as maybe some other people, uh, uh, but I'm like super bought in on you. Me personally, I'm super bought in sure. on Yoshioka. Like I, I think he rules. Um, so it's a little bit of a shame we didn't get to see him and Kaito mix it up, but um, what we got with like Minora and Benkei instead, I I thought that was re- I thought it was really good. I don't know if I'm low on Yoshioka. I actually think he's pretty great. Um, I think hmm. I think my issues with him is I think more personality. Um, you know, I just I don't I yeah, but I yeah, I don't know. I'm not exactly I what I that said. Question. Yeah. I kind of have this question about like the new guys they've posi- they've positioned as uh, like the new like t- like top baby faces in Dragon Gate, and there's maybe like a bigger discussion to have like after the main event. But I'm kind of like looking at like say like Yoshioka, Minora, uh, Kakuda, Luis Monte, and everything like that. And like Shun Skywalker like worked as a baby face, but also like has like really worked as a heel as well. So like he's sort of an exception here. He can like prove it. He can be successful at both. But obviously, even though like he's like long gone by now, like they were banking on some stuff with SBK kind of like probably beating like the leading heel of the future. And since then, Shun has just like stepped it up even more. Monte uh like real like real really ran with things and everything too. But it's like I feel like while they've found like heel success with certain with some guys, they've yet to really find babyface success. And like part of me looks at Menorah and like Forrest Brother, I did I did like the match. I did enjoy the match. I thought that uh to Eamon's point that I liked the Menorah and Kiyomiya interactions a lot. But part of me is also like is Menorah better as a heel and we just haven't tried it yet? Because we're trying to figure out who like the leading baby fate in Dragon Gate should be because we still don't have one at this at this at this point in time. And I'm kinda like maybe Menorah is that guy. But like 
I don't, I don't okay. know. I feel like that's I feel, like, I feel an... like they've been trying. Go ahead. Oh, I was say, that's such an odd question to ask because Gold Class on its face should be a heel unit. It's been presented right. as a heel unit. You know, like so that's like again, maybe it's the I, I, negative I, I, side of Ben K, but like, you know, him being such a natural baby face, but like Coda Menorah. I, I, I think they're like yeah. I think they're arrogant. I think that they like definitely like present like like have like some like something egotistical about them, but we know how like these companies that these companies usually work is like they kind of like function within like whatever context of a given matchup, but then like usually there's one heel unit that like stir that's, that stirs the drink. Like whether that's like Dragon Gate or New Japan, that's like usually how they go. So like gold class could be like just on surface because it's just two jacked up guys fucking flexing their pecs and doing whatever that that's like probably like leaning or, or could be leaning toward the heelish side in most scenarios but like realistically that's still not what they are and i'm just kind of like still thinking of like I, I don't know as i'm watching the shuffling that's taking place over the year and trying these different people trying these different alignments and everything over the last couple of years with this with this yoshioka kakuda Monte now and like still trying to find that baby face it feels like that I'm almost kind of like thinking like maybe some of these guys are better suited as heels obviously Monte has success as a heel before this but like I'm trying to figure out I think we're still looking for the Dragon Gate baby face and I don't know who that is I so yeah Minora like they were kind of pitching him as a heel a little bit last year when he was getting involved in like like the Kobe world stuff and it was I think it was kind of meant to be sort of like an entitled young guy yeah inserting himself into main events um and I, I don't think it's been until King of Gate this year that it feels like babyface menorah has actually started clicking um and it's it started working out more um him as a as a baby face if I was to turn any of them heel I I might actually go Yoshioka just to see what would happen um um, I I I I think he's a great babyface, but um, he was Daya Inferno, uh, as like a a mass wrestler heel, and like I think he did well there, uh, under what looked like one of the most uncomfortable wrestling outfits ever. Oh, so, oh my god, I don't I don't even understand how he was able to do that. <laughs> yeah, it was like like just like an outfit he had to wrestle under, and that and like a a really heavy looking mask, um, and and like he was still good, so. Maybe sort of in a way like when Tanahashi pitches himself as being more of a heel, because uh, like they've said before, like Yoshioka is a big like Tanahashi nerd, um, and but like as a, a more consistent heel version of that, um, I'd be interested. I'd I'd rather leave him face. Um, Minoru could definitely do heel. I just I think it would be a shame after they finally sort of gotten things on track. Him as a baby face, um. To turn him heel um but i think maybe six months from now like you could look at it again um maybe after he loses it like another dream gate challenge or something like that um because i could definitely see it like he he can come off as a little bit unlikable sometimes and i don't think he's got a strong enough personality to be the baby face like ace type figure in a promotion yeah and um, that's my thing with like all the guys that they that we've been trying as babyface i feel like the cl- the one that got closest to it was maybe shun and even shun wasn't like a knock it out the park success and like 
you could argue that Shun's been better as a heel than he has been as a babyface. And I'm, I think for me, I'm like, I see how successful Shun has been. And I'm waiting for someone to be his counterpart. And I think naturally they're trying for Monte to be that. They're they're gonna try for Monte and Shun like at at uh, at, at at some point soon. Obviously, I think that Shun is probably the next title challenger. So I'm like I think that they're trying that, but I, I don't know. I guess I'm still looking at the company, and I'm just not sure. Shun figured it out. Shun made his way there. And like, is someone else going to figure that like the other part out? Or are they going to do like a baby face by committee thing? Like, I don't know because Shun already figured that out and everyone else is kind of like still, I'm not as sure about, even if they're good. And I like all of them, whether it's like Minoru and Yoshioka, who I, lo- who I love both. I'm not sure who's supposed to be like the other guy. Granted, this was like a big tangent that came out of this and we did <laughs> Yes. I guess, I guess no, we right? Could... But like, it's to... like this is what everyone talks about with Dragon Gate. It's like the Rewa Six, um, right? And like, okay, like which of those guys is going to be the guy? And I and I think it's also like right that's like, um, leads into like the main event a little bit. Um, see that it does. Um, I... yeah, because like, I I I think we've kind of gotten the message that like at the minute anyway, like Kikuda is not really the guy. Yes, very um, much so. Yeah, which is which is a shame because it feels like when he's actively doing moves, he feels like he's great. <laughs> but as soon okay. as he's not, Hikuda is the guy for to me because he's the most that Dragon Gate has had in heir apparent to Shingo since Shingo left, right? And that's and that's me. That's me. I love. I Shingo was always my Dragon Gate guy, right? But yeah, like I yeah, definitely yeah. understand that that's not what everyone is looking for when they watch Dragon Gate. They're not looking for the Shingo replacement, you know. No, I I, I get it, and like I again, like when he's like throwing those lariats, like I can definitely see the Shingo, but I don't think he's got the personality that Shingo had. Like he just doesn't have that same, like quite the same. Like it's not, it's not the same kind of like it's just like the the, the demeanor. The facial expressions, like the other things that like go into making Shingo like an all-time great wrestler, like is that body language stuff that Shingo mastered, like whether it was like as a baby face or even as a heel, that like really helps with the intensity of everything that he does. And Kakuda is like great. I really like Kakuda, but going to the Shingo thing and like what made Shingo work as like a consistent top guy in the company. I don't think Kakuda has quite that same thing. And it's not to compare him to Shingo or, think that, or say that he has to be Shingo. But like, it's that quality that I think he doesn't have, though. It is still kind of like getting in the way of like figuring the other stuff out because I thought that the matches with um, Minora and like, Yoki, like Yoshioka this year were like solid. Like, I have no problem. I have no problem with these matches. Like, I think that like by far his best Dream Gate match was Shimizu. Like by far, like those are like maybe like one of the better dragon matches, dragon matches of the year. If someone said that was the best dragon match of the year, I don't think that's crazy. But like for the most part, still though, this year with his reign, I'm just uh okay, all right. Waiting for it to like click for me. And other than the big R match, like it really didn't. And so he's a guy that like I've liked him for years now, liked him when he was a rookie. 
But still, I'm like, all right, maybe he's not the guy either. And with with the Shimizu, I, so I would agree that like the the Shimizu match was the high point of his reign, and that match was about Shimizu. It wasn't about him. Exactly. Like the build to that was, and I don't know, was this the best idea? Honestly, like Shimizu beating all of the, like saying um, these guys are going to be our six big guys for the future, and then. Having like Shimizu beat five of them, um, I, is, I you know would, I, mean, I would argue that yes, that was the best idea because Shimizu rocks and deserves to beat everyone. That's you that's, know that's, what? A, that's, that's a fair, fair point. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I can't argue it. Um, I um, but so yeah, like that match was about like Shimizu proving that he's on that level and should be in that conversation as the next guy. Um, I could uh. Um, like you know, sort of like just was like happened to be the guy who was champion, but anyone could be have been the champion in that you know any of the Rewa six guys could have been the champion in that story because it was it was Shimizu's story, and then in in this match, the hottest angle and the hottest feud is Monte and Shun, but we need the champion to cl- like be in the main event of our last big show of the year, so we're making it a triple threat. Even though he's not really involved, um, and I think that made him look bad because it felt like it was underlining the fact that the other two guys are the hot angle, um, and we're adding him in here as well. And you know he looked good in the match, um, but I wonder would he have been better served if they had just done like Monte versus Kikita, and then had Shun yeah. come out at the end or something like that, um. Uh, but I, I do want to highlight, as we mentioned earlier, um, when he went to do like the hip attack on the apron and just like went over the ropes and nearly landed on his head, I yeah. like, stood up and clapped. I was so hyped. I was like, was yeah, so I was sick. like, oh, now we're talking. Yeah, it was so cool. And like yeah. two minutes beforehand, like Shun's mask came off and then it came off again. Yeah. Um, so I was like, oh, this is going off the rails in a good way. Um, he- Kikita is amazing. Yeah. Continue. I'm sorry. He is. Yeah. No, he is. Like, there's a lot of good stuff in there. And I wonder as well, was maybe this just too soon? You know, like, because he only debuted a couple years ago, and then he was out for, like, a year with an injury. And he's very young. Like, if we took a... Like, he's obviously going to be the champion again at some point. And, um, you know, with a bit more seasoning under his belt and... Maybe even if he went away for a couple of months and, you know, went to like America or Europe or something and just got a bit more experience um, before trying it again, I think that would would definitely help him out. Um, And yeah, like, but this match was very up and down, I thought. Um, Again, like the the wrestling side of things, I thought was good, but I never like it in a match when the referee ejects people. And then those people come back anyway right. later on. It always sort of feels like a bit of a cheat to me or like double yeah, dipping. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm i I'm okay with there being so much interference in Dragon Gate. You have to kind of accept that going in. But the, the specific part that bugs me is when there's baby faces standing outside and not getting involved. Um, It's like all the Z-Brats are in the ring or whatever and beating up all the wrestlers and you've got and, like... And, and, and Dragon Die is just sitting there like, guys, no, come on. Yeah, and like Kyo's there as well. He like, and like, he not, he not do that? <laughs> yeah, like, 
like those are your boys in there like hop in and get involved and it doesn't matter if like oh you're gonna get hit once and just go down selling but make some sort of an effort like that's the bit for me that breaks the suspension of disbelief it's not all the interference or ref bumping it's the how the other wrestlers are acting in the situation um um yeah, but yeah. Gonna, no, you 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 hit the crux that I make the point that I make constantly when it comes to wrestling is like it doesn't matter what you do. It's like it's really an extension of something that I heard from Alan that I really love just like selling is a, a tool not a rule. When it comes to wrestling everything is a tool not a rule. And it's like you can anything can work. You just have to make it work. Like hmm. that's the point of wrestling. You can you can make anything work that just have to have, you know, the ability to actually, you know, make it work in the match and unfortunately they did not in that in that context yeah and like like one of the best like classic dragon gate spots is like a face in the corner and a bunch of heels run in to interfere and they all run in and start clotheslining the guy and then at like the last person the face moves out of the way and then all the baby faces run in and do like the clotheslines as well if they had hit something like that in this with like Dragon, Daya, and Hyo, like, I, I think it it would have been more interesting, and then you could still do Shun getting DQ'd and, um, mm. like, big, like, the big man Ryo Saito getting into it with Shun. Um, are they, they keep pushing that. Like, Ryo Saito and Shun Skywalker. I Shun's gonna kill him. That's what's gonna happen. Yeah. Yeah. That's, Shun's gonna kill that's him. Not... That's not a match I want to see, but that is definitely an angle I want to see. Yeah, Shun Shun might actually kill him. I don't know. I yeah, I listen, I love Rio Saito. Um I don't know how he's feeling these days. I don't know is a is a match with Shun Skywalker necessarily. Yeah, like that, that's that's not that's not the one out that Shun might do something very violent to him. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. might just like bicycle kick his head into like the fourth row of Corkin. Um, um speaking speaking of Shun though, like what did you think? And like, I, I think this is probably like a good move. But like, how did you guys feel about like the protecting of the Monte and Shun matchup by having Shun get DQ'd so they could like revisit <sighs> that? I'm assuming, I'm presuming, like next month. They are, yeah. I think they've announced that's going to be the match. Yeah, yeah. yeah they did. I mean, yeah. it was the post match thing. And in the yeah. context of the match, I really enjoyed it. I thought that they did a great job of getting to it in the story of the match. I really thought that this was great as a triple threat match but yeah like at the same time in you know in the bigger picture thing it did feel a bit cheap you know like but it's like if i just if i just judge it on what i watch and don't like intellectualize it in any way i thought it was actually fantastic i thought they did a really good job of getting there um but when you look at it in the context of like booking i thought I have to applaud them really because it was it was very well done and I, and I think Eamon, you you know you tweeted at my tweet about like comparing this to the the you know the three way the pillars semifinal yeah. Yeah, of the yeah. of the of the C two but like they did the yeah, same yeah. thing yeah. they did the same thing and they did it so much better here like you know like I I hate to even give them the credit for that but they really did they got to the three way. They and they even like told you this is an elimination, so it's not like it's not cheap. It's not like a three way where it's cheap and you know one pin wins it and one guy doesn't have to. No, they're like, okay, this is an elimination, so it's gonna be legit. And then they found a way to get around it. And intellectually, 
you can look at it and go, oh, God damn it. You know, they they fucked me out of it. But like in the context of just watching wrestling, you're like, OK, like they actually found a way to give me something where it's not cheap. And it it, it does feel like we're, we're we were as a company, we were trying to give you a clean something. But this motherfucker is such an asshole. Put the heat on him for being such a prick. That we couldn't even, he didn't let us give you something clean. And I just really appreciated that. On top of that, in the context of the match, I did appreciate it. I will say that you guys, you know, you, you completely just shit on me, even talking about the tag team title match, the Twin Gate match, but that's okay. I'm just going to let it go and not, you know, not bringing that back up except for this. Um, but I will say, Shun, can we talk about Shun getting the BBL? Because, I mean, this guy is looking double, triple thick. Like, I, Shun did not have ass like this before. He came back he, from injury. Go ahead. <laughs> he keeps getting bigger, but like yeah. he's sub, like he like he's just as like explosive in everything. Yes. Like it's just it's right. really like he's just as fast. It's like Jesus. Like I'm like he's a fucking yeah. tank. It's like weird. Like, that's what, like Saito. Like out of keep in like, mind. Keep, keep in no, mind. Saito. Keep in mind as well. Right, Black is slimming. Yeah. So think about what Black he looks like in that outfit. And this motherfucker looks thick AF. This guy is I mean again, he is triple. He looks like again, you could not knock him over. He's a weeble wobble person. He will never he's so stout. It's incredible. He's in there with Hip Hop Hakuda and I'm like, who's got the who's got the bigger ass? Like really. <laughs> yeah. And like like Quentin, like you were saying, like he can still do all the athletic stuff. But like I wouldn't have expected him over the last year, like or like two years now, nearly. Like he's done such a good good job becoming a heel, and it doesn't feel like his match quality has suffered. No, no. Um, like even still, if I see like there's gonna be a Shun Skywalker singles match, it's like oh sick! Like this is gonna be a great match because he's like one of the most reliable wrestlers in the world. That's the thing is like he's that, that that goes back like I feel like Shun's gotten to the point where like. But people can disagree, whatever. But like, I feel like he's gotten to a point where, like, we know the guys of like, you know, the, their resumes and what they've done before. Like, we know what Yamato's done before, Mochizuki and these guys. But like, I feel like by far on a match by match basis, like whether it's like tags, trios, bottom of the card, top of the card, wherever, that like Shun has is by far like either like one or two best wrestlers in the company. It's either him or Casey. Like in. Yeah, that's why I'm like, damn, like yeah. Shun is so good that it makes everyone else to me like as much as I like Yoshioka and Kakuda and uh, Minora and all these other guys, Shun's so good that it makes them look like second rate to me sometimes. I'm I'm yeah. with you for sure. I I think it's it's KZ and Skywalker, like are are absolutely like comfortably the two who are the best in the company. Um. I, I really thought Shun would win this. Um, I was convinced um, he would, like... Because I didn't realize it was going to be elimination until the match started. And I assumed it would just be a regular three-way, and, like, it would look like Monte would be about to win, and then Shun would steal it somehow. And so then you could, like, get more of a chase out of it that way. Um, but... Yeah, um, that's... That's part of my issue with the kind of the finish. And again, I, I feel like we jumped all over the place and I'm just like completely losing it. But yeah, like 
that's part of my issue with the way that the storyline went with the finish because because you could do the the idea that like either way you could do the uh, like you said you could do the single fall thing and Shun steals it you could do the elimination the way that they did and I kind of liked it but I think that they presented it very well up until the exact verbiage where it's like post-match Shun is like oh you want to beat me you have to earn it and I think that like Shun could have Shun could have made himself more clearly disqualified in the end to do that, to be like, I'm not going to let you get the win. But he worked so hard throughout the match to where it like kind of made that confusing and the way he presented it at the end. Like you could have really like made it a lot more clear. That was the story you were telling. Um, or, if Sh- or if Shun hadn't been in the match and right. then came out and was like, well, you still haven't beaten me. And I know that's what you really want. Right. You're um, the champion, but you didn't beat me, which I do think that they yeah. did a good job of telling that story. And and yeah, it, it was like the, the DQ stuff felt like a, like a clever solution, but it's like a solution to a problem they made themselves with right. how they've booked things and set things up. And then the the actual interference stuff that led to the DQ, like the DQ call, I, I don't think that was executed great either. Um, like if that had been tighter and maybe didn't take as long and executed better, it would have, I think, I think like, uh, like the match would come off much better. Um, but all that segment feels like a little bit of an anchor around its neck to me. Um, right. And well, which is okay. But even the, yeah, go ahead. Go, finish it. No, I was going to say, cause I, cause I do think it's a good way. If you want to protect Shun, I think it, this is a good way to get him out of the match. Like it's, it's, it's not something I would have thought of, but I, I get the logic for sure of like, okay. How do we get Shun out of the match uh, without him taking a pin? Um, and then, but then also, like you could just not do elimination at that stage. Um, like it feels like there's lots of answers. Here. Like there are lots of answers here. They took a they took a slightly more complicated one. Um, but I, I I do think it's good that they like ultimately like Shun didn't eat the pin, and I think it, ma- it makes Monte look good that he pinned the champion specifically. He didn't pin someone who wasn't the champion. Um, and al- also then like our like kind of what we were talking about earlier about like uh, Kikuda not feeling like the guy. Like we're talking so much more about Shun and Monte here than Kikuda. And I feel like that's right. Of, and like how it was better to protect Shun than protect Kikuda. Um, like I, I feel like this is kind of like telling and underlining that again. That like he's the champion and he was like the third boat. He wasn't like the kind of the third wheel here a little bit as well. Well, I don't know if I a hundred percent agree with the idea that it was better to protect Shun than it was to protect Kikuda, but I just thought that they did a good job of doing it, you know, because Mm. I do think that they could have protected Kikuda in a way that would have made this better. Um, Either way, like, yeah, I'm, 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 uh, I like the way they did it. I think that they did a really good sneaky job of doing it. I think the mixing of the stuff with Shun. I mean, really, like a part of it does speak to what Quentin was talking about earlier, where Shun is just he stepped up to the point of being so evil and such a great heel that like having, you know, Saito be involved in the finish and actually have to like step out of his role as the president of the company, like to to, you know, respond to this is was great. And I think the match itself, I thought, was great when it came to when it comes to a three way. But Quentin, we've been talking for a while. Do you want to interject here? I apologize. Oh no, I think we like definitely like. I guess the last thing to talk about is probably like Monte here, 
And I've liked Monte since he's come into the company. I feel like he's always been a bright spot. And as far as like pushes to the main event scene, Monte getting to where he is is probably one of the most organic things I've seen happen in Dragon Gate, to be honest, because he very much was just like along for the ride in a lot of aspects. And then like over time, I think a lot of us like it's like, oh, wait, Monte is like really good. <laughs> like, hold on now. Like, like, I think we all yeah. like as someone just kind of collectively realized like how good he was. And like the company eventually realized it as well and like put him in this position. And I like Monte a lot. I'm very curious to see like how him and Shun goes next month. Um, I'm like really hopeful for that one. I trust Shun in big matches for the most part. Um, but I'm very interested to see how this goes because like with Monte, I think that he's like been really good, but like and he's been good in singles matches too, so I'm not gonna act like he hasn't like he hasn't had his singles moments. But like a lot of that stuff of like enjoying Monte has been at the expense of like, oh, he's really good in this control segment in this tag match or something like that. And right. the single stuff I've seen them has been good, but now we're venturing off into like different territory. So I'm definitely really interested in Monte and Shun. If anything, I think that like going in next year, like you know, obviously. Wrestle Kingdom, Big Noah shows, all type of stuff is happening in January. We know how we know what the top of the year is like for uh, Japanese wrestling. Like Monte and Shun is definitely like I think the most interesting match to me that's like happening soon. Yeah, I have to agree with that. Um, one thing when you talk about the the again the the intellect, the wrestling acumen of you know Shun. Monte Kikuda here, like we've we've talked about it. We've talked about the booking. We talked about everything else here and the excitement. But like for a three way match, like the opening of this was phenomenal. I really really enjoyed just how well they did. Kind of, you know, playing off of the history. Not even history, because this company has no th- no history of three way title matches. Right. And they really made that a huge deal talking about how this is a company that does not do, has never done a three way title match. They've done, they do so many different three way matches when it comes to all the other titles. But, you know, the, the, the Dreamgate title has never been defended in a three way match before. And they did such a great job of like the setup and the early parts of it was like very, you know, it was, it was very novel the way that they like were interacting with three of them being in there and then it, unfortunately the middle part that could have been i feel like could have been cut out kind of is where it like got boring when it came to it but like early on it really did feel like unique as a three-way match and then as you went through it into the finish it was definitely they did a great job telling like a story based around the idea that it was three of them even the disqualification i think did a great job playing off of the fact that it was a three-way match um but as Quentin talked about there, it feels like Monte is the biggest afterthought of the whole thing. And he comes out of it as the champion. And then Shun grabs the mic, does the challenge, which I think was not perfect, but made sense in some context. And then we set up for where we go next. And I just, I mean, Monte is, you know, whatever the, f- the youngest or whatever it was the first time that a, 
foreigner has ever won the championship in his first challenge. All that stuff is really makes sense in a lot of ways. He's the most integrated that a foreigner has ever been a non-Japanese born wrestler has ever been in Dragon Gate. Really. He feels like the most Dragon Gate wrestler who's ever like been a foreigner who won the dream gate championship. So that's great. Like I can't, I don't think of, you know, Monte leaving this company in the way that like, you know, pack or, you know, ricochet. ricochet or, yeah. 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 I, I get he it. He feels like, like he's dragon gate, you know, but go ahead. Yeah. He's just one. He's one of the guys. Yeah. Like if he didn't leave during COVID. Right. And he, he stuck around for that. Then yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's just, he seems like a guy that's very much in it for the long haul. Like he's here. Yeah, he's just a dragon. He is just a. It's weird to even refer to him as a foreigner. He is legitimately just a Dragon Gate wrestler. Like, like I just don't. It's, I I think it's odd to even present him as a foreigner at this point. Yeah, yeah. It, it's the it's the same with Jason Lee, um, right? Because right? he, he's not Japanese, but like. In my head, he's he's just like a Dragon Gate guy. You don't think of him, and they don't underline it like, like the way that like part of the gimmick like with Bullet Club is that a lot of the guys are foreign, um, right? They just are Dragon Gate guys, um, and I you don't see those like either those guys in lots of other places either. Like with like Ricochet, like you'd see him in Dragon Gate, but then you'd also see him in like PWG and Chikara. Like he'd be all over the place, whereas like. Like Diamante, like if, unless I'm watching like the odd time he's in Mexico, for the most part he's just in Dragon Gate, um, and like same with Jason Lee, like Ho Ho Loon, like bounces around a bit more, but you know for the most part he's mostly set up in Dragon Gate too, um, and I like Tim, I know we were talking about it like off air before that like it would be great if like Dragon Gate was kind of bringing in more foreigners again, even just on like little tours, but. At least they like the three they have. They've like really locked down. It feel it seems like and like are make are like using to like a really good extent. Yeah, no, it, definitely, and it would be nice. But I think you know they're being they're playing it very safe, and I can't blame them mm. because Dragon Gate doesn't have a lot of money to waste. You know what I mean? Investing on outside talent. So they keep it inside, and I think that they have they have a really solid core roster of you know, of people. Yeah, like I yeah I would love right like I think it would be cool if they brought people over just to change things up a little bit. But right, like it's always going to be a shame to me that like Lee Moriarty didn't have like three months in Dragon Gate because it feels like that guy would have been so perfect for it. Um, right, him or or or, 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 or top flight. Exactly. Like those guys, like it, yeah. it would have been amazing. Like when you think about how much American wrestlers or Western wrestlers have improved wrestling in Dragon Gate, like not that Jack Evans wasn't always sick, right? But he definitely came along and like improved in different ways after being in Dragon Gate. Same with like Matt Seidel back in the day, too. Well, okay. I've talked about this though, because there is a difference between modern Dragon Gate and, you know, that, that Dragon Gate. And I think a big, difference is, is is shima and i hate to say that because nobody else wants to give them credit for that but yeah oh no of course but then it's like obviously like as well one like the wrestling world change as opposed to like 
uh, even beyond like the excursion, like the like the uh, the accidents of Shima and others leaving, like the wrestling world changed. So like on top of that, we're seeing like WWE and like their like mass sightings of talent and all the different stuff, and then AEW pops up. So like so not only is like the person who was like the most responsible for bringing in all the foreign talent now gone from the company, it's like the way wrestling works like fundamentally changed also. So it's like very much okay like i guess we should just like really hyper focus on actually like bringing up and developing our young guys now because like i mean shit like imagine us talking in um in 2020 about dragon gate right imagine us talking in 2020 about dragon gate like we're talking about monte shun and kakuda main eventing final gate and that's something that even like three years ago like just wouldn't be like a normal thing right in dragon gate to some extent like so it's a company that like since all that's happened like there were like some some shaky some shaky stuff like trying to figure out the k thing pushing him and like all the other guys and like there was like other stuff going on but it's a fundamentally different company and i feel like in doing that like and there's probably like other aspects to it like they've gotten completely away from my aspect that I think like that made it a better company. Yeah, like Shima is definitely the person I think who was like the talent scout for North America and like, you know, fucking loved to see a, a flippy guy from North America he could bring over. Um well it's not just that it, 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 yeah. that's very easy to be the thing that you point to, but it's not just that. It's also the like um I hate to say it, but like the strictness and being like so much like more like pushing when it came to in the in the training side of things, because you talked about Jack Evans, like Jack Evans has told the stories about Shima, like drilling him and drilling him and drilling him. Uh, Rich, uh, you know, Rich Swan also talked about like Shima drilling him and drilling him to be like, okay, it's cool that you can hit these moves, but you have to hit them perfect every time. You know what I mean? Like, it's not just and and I don't know that Dragon Gate has that same level of training that they're doing, especially bringing out outside talent that they're really like running them drills in the JoJo and making them be like, it has to be perfect every time. Yeah, I mean, like, based on like the talent the dojo is pumping out, um, like every like three months or six months, I maybe the system is different, but um. I would love to hear like a compare like if like Matt Seidel did a tour or something, I'd love to hear what he thought like the dojo today versus the dojo like ten years ago or fifteen years ago and what the differences are now in philosophy. Um and, and also like talking about bringing people in, like, you know, the realities of like like the Japanese like wrestling industry at the minute is that like money is probably pretty tight for Dragon Gate. Um so again, like paying someone extra when you could use a like one of their young wrestlers and also again like we've talked about like they've got a lot of young guys at the minute so if you're putting a foreign wrestler on a card that's maybe a spot that say like uh kato doesn't get for instance or like maybe even someone like daiki uh yanaguchi so it's like it's also tight in terms of money and it's tight in terms of spots um but obviously you know if shima was still there we'd be getting like Luigi Primo and like Cabana and Brandon Cutler. So who could say yeah, which we, would be we, the we'd be getting like Santana Jackson on the on these on these fucking cards or something like <laughs> Well, we could only hope. 
Yeah. <laughs> I did actually, um, right before we, we started this, I did watch um, famous uh, Dragon System offshoot Cleat. Um, I did watch the uh. Uh, uh, the Takira, the Yamamura return match and uh, the Fujita match as well. Uh, and those are both sick. I would I would recommend both those to people. The Fujita match is a bit of a tough watch considering the circumstances. Um, and it's one like the two I watched were him and Yamamura, and with both of them, it's like, should either of these guys be in a ring? Because I'm not entirely sure. I would want like a very convincing doctor's note. Um, because <laughs> it's like F- Fujita has cancer and has canceled like all of his other bookings. Yeah. And um, Yamamura like broke his neck twice or whatever, but he looked really good. Um, he looked in shape. He hit his moves clean. He sold well. Um, so hopefully he's back because he was always a guy in Dragon Gate that like it looked like he had huge potential, I, and then he left and he got injured. There, there's and, a, really, a real specific time towards like the end of 2016 yeah. and 2017 where like yeah. it's like everything that he did was like gold, and it's like. Oh my god! Am I like watching like the best wrestler yeah. in the world developing? Like, what's happening right now? Yeah, like the T Hawk match and the Mochizuki match. Like, yeah, it's like wait, who, like, who, like oh my god, are you just the best? <laughs> yeah, well, so he wrestled um, Kaito Ishida on the Glee show today, um, and obviously it's his first match back in a couple of years, but um, it looked pretty good. And if he can keep that up, I like fingers crossed and touch wood that nothing happens to him. But I'm going to be cautiously optimistic assuming nothing comes out about his health and then um the fujita stuff is just very emotional like you see him making his entrance and it looks like he's maybe crying and it's like all right let's get let's get real emotional about wrestling for a few minutes as the like the coolest wrestler in the world comes out yeah um, um well i guess do you guys have any final thoughts about uh, Dragon Gate in general? Um, um, not a lot. I think it's been a good year for the company. Um, sure. It's been a little unfortunate. I feel like it's been unfortunate for them, uh, just because they've had like lots of injuries with like different people at different times. Like um, TN Revolution, for instance, yeah. he was going to be like this usually pushed act, and he got injured in like like the second or third week almost it seemed like of him coming back from excursion so there's and like like uh yuki oshioka now got the eye injury so there's been a lot of like bad luck it feels like for the company um but beyond that though i um i still think it's like a very easily watchable like definitely worth following company especially since they have all these young guys and it's interesting seeing who's going to be the one to like sort of like who's going to make and who's going to break um yeah like and it's it's a company that like outside of you know one of the matches to get everyone on the card um it's usually got a pretty decent floor in terms of match quality um so like it's for the most part it's it's a promotion where you don't see a lot of bad so if people are listening to this but maybe don't watch dragon gate um like they've got a big show coming up in a couple of weeks, so that might be a good jumping on point. Um, their YouTube channel is pretty good as well because they just put up uh single cam, no commentary house show matches, and the camera work is um 
the camera is like right beside the ring. It's not like a like a hard cam setup. It's like a handheld. Um, and that has actually ended up being like some of my favorite wrestling this year. Is just like the Dragon Gate house show stuff. Where it's like very, in some parts, pretty low stakes. Just in front of small rooms. But it's like a very easy, satisfying watch. Um, but yeah, like um, I'm very hopeful for how the company will do in 2024. Um, and I, I hope Monte works out as champion. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I agree with like basically everything you said there when it comes to Dragon Gate. And I do hope Monte makes this work. I hope that the big hug team works, you know, and I, I like the idea of Dragon Gate doing a, 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 a low strippers gimmick. I know. I hope it works out for them. Um, Quentin, do you have any other like big picture uh, opinions on Dragon Gate? Uh, no, we're good on that. If we want to talk about anything else, we can move on to that. We want to talk about the news. Do we want to talk about, um, you know, what news? Chris Jericho. Well, hey, you know, it's, you know, I, it's probably just not a good thing to like only say like the biggest kept secret in AEW. Just yeah. because you're having a Twitter spat with somebody, you're mad. yeah, yeah, yeah like not that it shouldn't come out, and not that we shouldn't care about it, but it's also like, oh, right. you only said this because you were upset, like, right? Like, yeah. and like, it. It's also I think it's it's not your place to drop something like that, um, especially if you didn't talk to the per the other person concerned beforehand. Um, it's like so reckless. <laughs> and, and 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 I don't and I don't want to put like all the focus here on on Hussman either, right? Because like obviously like Jericho and AEW management, like Tony Khan, and you know who knows what like say like Cody Rhodes or Brandy Rhodes wasn't like Cody, you know, Co Co Cody Rhodes, Brandy Rhodes, the Bucks, yeah, Kenny Omega, right? Like they were all in positions of power, and if we're supposed to take things like the the vice president roles seriously. Right, then we have to like look at like what do they condone or like turn a blind sure. eye to, and like it's it feels so silly and like not silly because I understand people are thinking about this in different ways and want to see some sort of retribution or action, but like people being like, oh well, Tony Khan needs to take action about this, and like in my head, I'm like, yeah, he took action, he took action yeah, four like years he, ago, he, he yeah, took a, he years, took yeah. the action. Huh action four years ago like that yeah. was his action <laughs> his action was protecting chris jericho um and people i'm seeing people say like oh he should like fire jericho over this and like i don't like i don't know can he even do that legally all right if after everyone right. has already signed like ndas and stuff yeah, like, like, like this was a whole thing like i think like i don't i think feel like people are thinking that this was like kylie ray just like like no and like the name's out now like it's all like it's all, sure. it's all out now but like like Kylie Ray's departure from the company wasn't like a quiet thing. Like we didn't right. know what the details were. People were trying to spill like because every from the day it happened, everyone's like, okay, this is kind of weird. Something yeah. must have happened from the everyone from the day knew. it was a thing. Right. So yeah. like if you remember, people were trying to speculate if it was like a thing with Cody Rhodes. Right. Yeah. Like I, I remember that. Like I I think people thought like, oh, like something happened between her and Brandy. And so she had to like go because of that. Yeah, like, um, like it, which it, felt it, so weird. It was as a, well, like, like it, it's right. Tony Khan and everyone involved, they everyone knew this. 
Yeah. Everyone knew this. No, like it's not it's not a point of action or whatever. Like it's yep. They knew what this was. And there's a reason why Kylie Ray has never said anything, obviously. Like Yeah. Exactly. And that's part of it as well, then, right? Like if she has made like it is her decision to not talk about well, obviously I don't know if she you know had to sign something like in terms of like an NDA, but like if if she has like it seems like moved on with her life and you know has just had a kid like three yeah. months ago and yeah. is like you know has worked very hard and like spoken about her mental health issues over the years like i don't think this is necessarily doing her many favors um no. either like bringing all this out into public and doing it in such a, like a reckless manner to look cool on the internet in an argument with chris fucking jericho like holy which sh- yeah like, when it comes to looking cool compared to chris jericho it doesn't take a lot of effort yeah like oh like if if you can pass a sobriety test and you don't have a racist wife you're winning like right. you don't need much here it's not a hard um okay amen you know you can say a lot of things but please do not disrespect the sacred bond that i have with my mufo with a you know mrs jericho <laughs> 695 because you know that is Truly, something that I I respect is the Mufo bond. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure. Um, um I, I just it's everything about it is just <laughs> like like rightfully so. Houseman should get criticized, but to make it a Houseman thing as a thing is is like. Wait no no the guys that's not how this works here like, that's, no, like right. no yeah no. Like, like, that's not that's not what we're doing here that's not how this works um like he was an when asshole, everyone who's known the, this whole time yeah 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 when everyone who's known this whole time is like oh isn't he such an asshole it's like motherfucker you knew too and you didn't say anything exactly yeah yeah, yeah like, exactly I, was, go ahead. I heard about it a couple of years ago right I'm, yes. I'm sure you guys did too right like we were saying yes. like this was like a lot of people knew about this but like. All right, I know about it, but it's not my place to drop this in the middle of a conversation on Twitter that is like reckless and that potentially puts people. They had like, nothing to do with anything. Like it was yeah. like because right. it's because it's like them going back and forth on like roll like, out like oh, like like yeah and like NDAs over that. Yeah, right. But it's, it's like whether it's like whether or not like what didn't this, like don't they have like whatever like issues because of like housemen like may or may not be like close to or have like some sort of relationship with CM Punk and it's like like isn't <laughs> yeah right he was like because Jericho was yes. like oh well I never signed an NDA baby so I could talk about whatever I want like and brought right. out and I sold it all and someone was like well what about the, like the NDAs you've made other people sign and it kind of spiraled from there yeah but, it's like, not related yeah yeah and it, again it's it's like like all three of us i'm sure like hear shit about people but uh, <laughs> for a second i was like all three of us have made people sign ndas and it's like yeah sure. <laughs> no 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 <laughs> um um but like you know like i hear stuff but i it, i can't just go out and like put that out into the public um sure because a again it's if the person if the people involved either don't want to or feel like it would harm them in some way that they don't think it's worth it or whatever like and, and also obviously this is not to like put all the pressure and responsibility on other people like the people who were like 
concerned or like affected by situations like these right like i i don't want to frame this in a way that's putting like responsibility and onus on them um but if it's not their wish like if kylie ray didn't want this to sure. go public it's incredibly fucked um right. and and also so like that's like the the reporting side of this to like so casually drop it and then also yeah like like chris jericho is like a monstrous piece of shit um sure and i i will be fascinated well i say fascinated i like if anyone is going to ask about this it's just going to be like at the press scrum the very serious uh yeah. media press scrums that happen at AEW shows it's just going to be something like oh well you know we can't comment on it a matter we're investigating i don't right uh, con, con is going to say something like that and it's like motherfucker you investigated it four years ago yeah, like, yeah that's that's good like that's gonna be my thing is like I feel like, obviously, like people are talking about talking about like how the way Hausman dropped the news. Yeah. People are going to talk about Chris Jericho and like all these things should get talked about, but it really can't get lost. Tony Khan knew what this situation was. Like, yeah, knew, sure. like, 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 like there's no there like there's no gray area here. This is not this is not a gray area. It's like straight up dynamics and positions of power and the fact that Chris Jericho was like the biggest name coming aboard for the for the for the AEW thing. Kylie Ray was supposed to be a foundational piece for the women's division, but like obviously we can say like Kylie Ray and Chris Jericho just it's not it's not it's not comparable. Like you're going to do what it takes to take to keep Chris Jericho as you're making your making your voice yes. onto like national onto like national television. Like, like it's just like like he knew they all knew and i don't want i i just hope that as this develops and that now this is in the public that it doesn't become a thing where we're like waiting for action and things like that it's like no like we know what the action was tony wasn't oblivious yep. like this is gonna be all on like how wrestling fans like decide to move move forward and take this stuff because like whether he like you could argue to the extent in which Tony and everyone else knows, I guess you could speak, you could say that depending on like if Kylie was like so shaken up and just kind of wanted to be out how much she said. But if the only thing that you can say is the extent. Otherwise, like, no, everyone back there knew and like we're past a point of like action towards Chris Jericho being taken. Yeah. And and also like this is a company right like that has like Don Callis employed and there were like various accusations about like Don Callis uh, with TNA especially as he was like like the circumstances he left that company and um, Darby Allen still employed like yeah Darby Allen still employed and Ray, like featured very prominently um, Jay Lethal still, Jay employed. still employed yeah um, even after like again multiple accusations about him from various women in wrestling and about him using his positions of power uh in ring of honor back like back before like it was bought to like like coerce them into like sexual favors or things like that and like like i think like ring of honor said oh we're gonna investigate it or whatever and then i don't think anything ever happened no of course um, nothing happened yeah right and like i'm I don't know what his position like backstage in AEW is like, but at the very least, it's it feels pretty clear that he's well liked and like clearly boys with a lot of people. 
um sure. and it's fucking gross um like there's there's a bunch of people still employed and i think like we're talking about like how wrestling fans going to react i like the way wrestling fans think a lot of it like the reaction is going to be like oh well wwe is bad too right like this, sure. this will get used for like bad dumb empty-headed tri- like tribalism um and not rethinking about the fact that like yes there are like systemic issues in professional wrestling about protecting like abusers either like because the abusers are in positions of power or mm-hmm. they're seen as like more financially useful to people running organizations or they're just friends with abusers yeah, or, or just or just friends or whatever yeah. like, i mean like a thing that like we like witnessed like you know all the way you know like here but like you being irish like you have like a very brother let me tell you exactly about... like, you... <laughs> yeah like you like, like... You being irish you watch like you like a very very close front row seat i presume to like that literally like, that i am on i am on so much footage like cheering jordan devlin matches it's like i need to get that stuff like pixelated out um <laughs> it's insane right like i was a huge like um jordan devlin guy i was a huge like scotty davis guy and like stuff came out about them and like ott as a company and it's like all right cool like i'm just i'm fucking done right i have not gone to like a show over here in a couple of years it was it was very funny um tim when you had joseph on and you guys were talking about like the Lex offenders thing that um yeah uh Brian Pillman Jr was doing and over my head I was thinking like oh buddy let me tell you about going to shows with plenty of Lex offenders I I can yeah like I yeah. I've got heart like like stuff that would be like a crime scene basically in retrospect like um yeah like this stuff is all over the place and it felt like a lot of speaking out not all of it but a lot of speaking out was like it felt like Europe took up a lot of the attention because of guys like Marty Skrull, for instance. Um, sure. Who I think Virginia sure has no connection with the books anymore. Yeah, um, yeah right. Yeah, like, he's, but he's um, who just can't find his phone. I don't know where. I know, right? Him. Zack Sabre Jr. is super cool and woke. Um, yeah. And is like, except for speaking out. Just, about just, just, real con- just real conveniently, he disappeared at that point in time. When all that yeah. was happening in his phone has just never been seen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no. He's but, never you know, mentioned have, like, yeah. Yeah. any opinion when it comes yeah, maybe... to his best friend in the history of wrestling. Like, the leaders of the new school. Right? Yeah. If you guys want to ever see a real like fucking horror show, um, like years ago, Marty Skrull was on a reality dating show. I don't know if oh, you guys yeah. have I remember. Oh yeah, I remember. I know yeah. all about this. Party Marty on uh, yeah. what is and, it? And, yeah. Oh, and, oh, what's, what's the name and of they the show? They show footage of his like yeah. they show footage of his personal life and they have like oh his friend on to talk about him and the friend is fucking Jimmy Havoc. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like it's all it's all LinkedIn. Um and so part of me is also wondering now like is the name of that show like Big Night Out? Uh, take me out show? i think take me out yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. i think it was take me out yeah yeah um so part of me is wondering now like are we going to get into like maybe a second wave of speaking out that might be a bit more focused on america this time um which would be great i mean obviously it's it's bad these things happen but it's it's good people feel like they are in positions where they can talk about them um so i but but also like it's it's grim thinking about 
how much has already come out and how little has been done. Um, even still, especially in a company like AEW, like fucking, they still have Ric Flair, right? Um, they brought in Ric oh, Flair. Oh yeah, they brought everything. in fucking Ric Flair. Yeah, <laughs> and like, who want? Nobody wants this, even apart from anything, everything else. I don't think anyone was like, oh boy, we really need Ric Flair in this company. But then also, mm-hmm. AEW like oh. like kind of worked with like the dark side of the ring guys. And the dark side of the ring guys did an episode where a large part of it was like the like the actions of Ric Flair on the on that one like big plane ride, um, and how awful he came across on that. And it's like we're still just gonna bring him in. We're gonna sell his T-shirts. They announced a new Ric Flair T-shirt today, which was amazing timing by AEW social media. Um, I'm surprised it didn't say like Space Mountain like. Oldest ride, longest line. It might as well have gone all the way. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's fucking. It's all fucking gross. Um. So yeah, I don't. I don't know. Let's. I guess you're right. We'll see what happens. Um. Sure. I don't have a lot of faith. Like, I don't think anything like punitive will happen to Chris Jericho. Like, maybe he leaves, but it would be like a. If he left, a, he would not be fired by AEW. I don't think. It might be like a. Chris Jericho and AEW have decided to part ways or something like that. Yeah. Or Chris Jericho is taking a sabbatical or something, right? But it's not, you know, it's, I don't think there's going to be any, like a very satisfying conclusion to this. Um, As we were talking, I, I had to look up uh, if I could find the, um, the, the master list that that our good friend, former guest of the show, um, Joseph Monticilio made of all of our top 50 wrestlers of the list. I had to find it. 2019, Quentin. Uh, my number one wrestler of the year was Jordan Devlin, which again, in hindsight, doesn't look great. It's very cancelable. <laughs> Do you know who your... You, did you just say who your number one was? That was David Starr. <laughs> yeah. 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 So we... Um, yeah. We definitely uh 2019 just doesn't exist like like 2019 as nope. a year like yeah I, I was like you know what like i think i had jay white number two or something that year and like yes you did jay white number. <laughs> you were so close you were Should've so close i was yeah. so close number- you were, i was yeah. so close to getting it right <laughs> okay but to be fair your number three was jordan devlin so you know your number four was also osprey will osprey so you know i mean i no, only have one thing, if i got if, if i would have had jay if i would have had jay white at number one then like that canceled it out. Sure, that's fair. That's fair. We would have not had <laughs> yeah. our number both of our number ones being sex offenders. Um yeah. registered lex offenders as they say. Um well, well l- listen guys, at least you weren't fucking front row for their matches. That's fair. And like fair. screaming on camera. Oh yeah. yeah. Like yeah. oh boy. It's okay, but like living and dying by whether or not like Jordan <laughs> Devlin survived the next chop from Walter. <laughs> yeah, like I, I was fucking in it, man. There, there's a message yeah. board over here. Um, it's called boards.ie. Um, yeah. can't believe I shouldn't be telling this. Um, please, but um, there was like a whole conspiracy theory in the wrestling section on there that I was a plant by OTT and that I worked for them. Oh, fuck yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, he's always front row, and clearly the cameras are always on him, uh, so they can catch him reacting That's to things. It. And it's like, yeah, I'm just like, 
I'm into the shows. I'm super into I'm this promotion. So and yeah. Yeah. I'm just like I'm in like I just like doing this. And there was all this like, oh, he's trying to get himself over or whatever. And like, yeah, I am, but it's like it, that's incidental. Um and then it's like it's like thinking about like, oh, that's just, just feels like such a different time now in my life when it used to be like, oh, I'm gonna queue outside for like three hours or I'm gonna run bake sales at these wrestling shows and all this right. type of stuff I used to do. And now it's like I can, I can, I can oh, personally attest I, you to couldn't like, pay me to go. You could can, not can, pay me to go to an OTT show today. I, I, I can personally <laughs> attest to like just everything from like how like how weird COVID made everything just wrestling for a while and then like all the speaking out stuff was like and then in general like a lot of my favorite promotions whether they were going whether they did experience changes because like um a lot of like sexual misconduct allegations and all that and all that shit and all that shit going on or just like the promotions no longer being as good whether it was like a dragon gate ott the like whole fucking european scene collapsing basically within itself and obviously not just because of that but the mass signings and nxt uk but like everything just like really fucking caved in it was like for me which i still think i'm kind of recovering from is like i just don't like wrestling as much yeah like it's still a thing that like really like, like really like took a lot from me as a like as to where like I don't keep like a wrestling tracker. Like I haven't kept a wrestling tracker for like the last yeah. two years. Like, yeah. and like I'm trying to get back into it next year, but like that whole all of that just like fucked my wrestling viewing up so bad that like it's a point in which like it still hasn't recovered from. And like speaking out is part of what got me into Dragon Gate. Cause I was like so into the European scene, and then like speaking out happened, and I was like I need fucking something else, yeah. right? I'm going to take the plunge and go like all in on Dragon Gate. And I'm be like, I just, I need to watch wrestling where I don't know a lot about the personal lives of the wrestlers at the minute and can just uh, like disconnect that part because I'm so close to the stuff in Europe. So it's like, all right, cool. Always liked Dragon Gate. Anytime I watch it, I'm going to go like full in here. Uh, let's not think about the monkey stuff. Let's just let's just enjoy it. Have you heard about the monkey? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yes, but I'd rather not do it again. Um but yeah. Okay. There's absolutely no reason for me to do this, but I thought about it earlier and you know, we've been talking and all this, but if you know, and, and I don't know because I don't know, I don't, I don't, I, you know, Nick Houseman didn't really report this story, you know, as a sensible journalist. So I don't even know what the fucking story is when it comes to like what he's talking about. Um, but you know, if Nick Houseman's story happens to be talking about NDAs that were done by him and you know, Jericho and Kylie Ray, um. One thing that I really don't appreciate <laughs> with people talking about this is like presenting it like, oh my God, Kylie Ray, she's such a saint and everyone loved her and she was always such a perfect angel who never, like, if you were in it with the, you know, the wrestling bookers and the nerds throughout the time when Kylie Ray was a wrestler who had some like repute and people were talking about her, like, I hate to say this, but Kylie Ray was not known for being like a perfect angel. And that does not. I honestly just want to say that to be like, 
can people like stop doing this? Because you do not have to make like a you you do not have to make like the argument be that like you know everyone's a perfect victim who just got like exploited and everything bad has always ever happened to them. Like people can be um complex and have you know like have like negative things happen to them and you can go back and forth and all this and that. Kylie Ray does not have to be like a saint amongst men like this you know do, do you know this uh angelic figure and all this to like not deserve being um sexually assaulted or whatever you know i guess she wasn't sexually assaulted but to not to 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 not deserve what she got you know she doesn't have to be a fucking perfect angel she can be a flawed human being and also still not deserve having what happened to her happen like i just wanted to throw that out there because it really drives me fucking up a wall where it's like anytime anything negative happens to someone they like the the counter programming have to like turn it into oh my god she was such a perfect angel and she didn't deserve anything that ever happened to her it's like no no one deserves this kind of shit happening to them but that doesn't make her like this perfect angel uh, you know and again does it matter do i need to say this yeah like Go ahead. My, my, my response would be like even if like we've been around like we might have like heard like like stories of kylie kind of like doing whatever sort of like not so great things before some of that stuff happened i think that the stuff that happened afterwards with like you know like her pro- post aw tenure like sure i think it's fair to kind of like be like like some of that stuff might have been a trauma response that she just might have but like you know was trying to figure out like a way to be in like a good mental space and move on and try and like sometimes like this shit just like might have gotten the best of her and she like you know for for those reasons she sure. might not have done like the best business or done like the right thing all the time so it's like not that your point is wrong but i do feel like it's worth saying that like a lot of the kylie stuff that did happen post that could also be like a trauma response to like what she did experience and sure. and also maybe just just to add on here like the idea as well of like um like this type of thing shouldn't happen to anyone regardless of what they're like as a person and that's it i think that's that's really key because i absolutely think part of what will happen over the next few days is like a smear campaign by some people against her and it to be like well you know she's pretty bad so like who knows what really happened and it's like well it doesn't matter what she's like right because like and i i don't know as much about her as i as i think you guys do but it doesn't matter what she's like what matters is what happened in this instance and what happened and what it seems like it happened in this instance was like real fucked on the part of jericho um right so yeah it's it's like if, if like someone like like no one deserves this type of stuff happening to them and if you know maybe they did other things at other points it it still doesn't make this like more okay or whatever. It's it's still bad. Um. So yeah, I I think that's just like a like an important bit of framing right. to add in here as well. Right. My point again. My point is more. We don't need to make her into this angelic saint who, you know. We, oh we, my like god! Saying, we, nothing we but have, anything bad has perfect, ever happened. We, we don't have, we don't have to make her the perfect victim, basically. Right. Yeah. And that's it. No one deserves what happened to her. And that's the real answer that Eamon's talking about there. Right? You know, and right. just it, don't... Yeah. Like, immaterial of, like... 
like whether or not like she's like quote unquote a good person or a bad person, right? Like I I don't know her. I I haven't heard stories about her either way. But like that's again like yeah like that type of thing is immaterial to a situation like this. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um. Well, that's a good way to end this podcast out. You guys want to transition so over to doing world's uh, end. Um, yeah. Do you want to do? <laughs> Do we want to do live? Do we want to do live reaction to World's End? We'll just watch it, and we can. I can switch this over to a live feed on Twitch, and we can just keep talking about it. Um, yeah. Um, sure. I've got another. I'm good for another six hours or however fucking long yeah. AEW pay per views go. Absolutely. Like nine hours. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, we'll have to go back and watch Zero Hour though. I don't want to. I don't want to miss any important plot. Oh, points. that's true. That's oh, true. I guess real, real quick, real quick, because in case it comes out, does anyone have any guesses besides Chris Jericho on who the devil is? I'm hoping because the way they did it on TV, like they okay. framed it as if Samoa Joe was working with the devil and not that he was the devil. Yes, right. and that, that's the part I'm like, fuck, this is still happening. Yeah, yeah, right. like. Yeah. So I'm like, obviously, I feel like the whole thing, like, I feel like it was designed to be Adam Cole. I don't know if it still sure. is, if they're still trying to do that. But it's like, hey, look, if he's still going to be on the shelf, we got to wrap this shit up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, Adam Cole, for, for sure, I could see. My my outside, my big brain guess is Jungle Boy. Oh, okay. God. Sure. Okay. And it'll be awful. It won't be good. But it it makes like wrestling sense that it's Jungle Boy. My um, so that's my that's my my final prediction. answer. And I I tweeted this out. I said I, I promise this is it, and I I'm going to commit to this. This is my final answer. It is Christopher Daniels is the devil, <laughs> and it's kicking off Prophecy 2.0, and that's why Samoa Joe once again is hired gun for the prophecy. Who's, who's who's Xavier? Ah, uh, R.I.P. to the King. Um, new hmm. Xavier, I guess, will be. Um, I don't know who's the ROH champion. It's like Eddie Kingston. I guess the new Xavier is going to just be Loki. And we can. I mean, considering what we've talked about with AEW, I'm sure there's no problems bringing in Dan Muff. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, sure. Why not? We're yeah. good to. Yeah. We're good to go. Yeah. So the 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 devils, you know, the devils henchmen who are the tag team champions are going to just be the hit squad. And then, yeah, uh, I guess we'll get we'll get the group back. Steve Carino will show up, and he's going to fight them. But yeah, my answer is that this is a way to reignite the um the prophecy, the prophecy. as being the main heel group in ROH. I, I, you know, <laughs> as as long as it ends, I don't care. Yeah, that's. I say I don't care. All. I haven't really watched any of these segments in a while, but I, I just listened to the uh, the John and waiting on post wrestling. I listened to the, like the dynamite yeah. recaps they do, and like God yeah. love them because I could not sit through some of this shite. Yeah. Um. Either way, we're gonna close it out. We'll. I'll get this up before the pay per view is over. Um. Quentin. Do you want to uh, close this out with uh, your Jusurbic wit? Because I am not good at this. Uh, sure, we can do that. You can uh, follow me on Twitter at QT underscore Moody. You can follow 
Tim at ROH Dutch. You can follow the podcast network at WDKWPN. And Eamon, I do not remember the, your handle at the top of my head. And I think it has like no. several underscores. So can you please? Yeah. Uh, so my, my Twitter is, yeah. So my Twitter is no underscore, uh, sorry, no underscore more underscore mutants. Um, so please, if you are going to use any of this podcast in an article, please make sure to credit me appropriately. Yes. yes of um, God mm-hmm. fucking remember in my head. I was like, Oh, I'm going to make a funny reference to that. This, yeah. Like at some point. And and I was like, and then fucking everything else happened. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, I don't do anything regularly like you guys do. Um, in terms of things to shout out though, uh, I mentioned at the start a couple of weeks ago, I did a podcast with Alan Farrell, my wrestling dad, uh, where we went through every Tim Thatcher Chris Hero match, um, and a, on a podcast which where we talked about like seven or eight matches, and I think it was still somehow shorter than how long we've been on this one. Um, <sighs> but that that's a lot of fun. I think you know I think the people who like listen to this podcast would likely enjoy hearing people talk about Tim Thatcher and Chris Hero for a couple of hours. Um, I am on must see matches quite a bit. Uh, Mark and Kieran do so much work on that podcast. Um, uh, so if people haven't heard that, um, the most recent episodes I was on, I was on an episode talking about the Brian Danielson Kenta match from 2006, uh, which I think is a pretty fun one. Um, and before that, I was on one about the special bonus episode about Abe and Nomura. Um, so those are a couple of good ones, but in general, that podcast is, is I think a really good weekly podcast looking at some excellent matches. Um, my one big important plug, um, which I don't normally have when I'm doing these is, um, a GoFundMe was set up recently for my uh, girlfriend who lives in Clarksville. Uh, there was a tornado there a couple of weeks ago, uh, and their house was like destroyed basically. Um, so the GoFundMe is still up. I will put a link to it in the quote tweets of this when Tim, like when the podcast goes It'll up, be in I the will share of the it podcast and I'll put as well. Wow. Oh, amazing. Th- thank you. Yeah. Um, and I know some people who listen to this podcast have um, already donated to it. Um, I won't name names, but you guys know who you are. So uh, I, I won't name names, but it's on the GoFundMe, right? Um, but that's super, super appreciated. Um and if if anyone hasn't, and like I know, especially this time of year, money is quite tight. But if anyone has anything at all they could spare, that would be super appreciated. While we are uh, still working on getting things set up again over there, um, but yeah, uh, that is everything from me, guys. Thank you so much again for having me on. Um, you guys, I've I've talked about this before. Um, I think there isn't a lot of. I think in in our circle, we're quite fortunate about the conversations we have about pro wrestling. Um, I think pro wrestling criticism as a whole is maybe a little underdeveloped, especially yeah. when you compare it to other mediums, but right. Like it's, it's much more yeah. in its infancy and, and um, maybe not as well thought out in a lot of cases, but uh, you know, stuff like what, like Simon does what Joseph does. Um, and I think like the podcasting discussions you guys do um, every like week or two weeks, like I think like the work you guys do is really, really excellent um so just while i'm on i wanted to say that that like you guys should be proud of the work you do here i appreciate that quite a I bit i appreciate I, everything you just said yeah and obviously yeah. you mentioned uh, everything you mentioned with your 
girlfriend and her family hope like everything works yeah. out there and everyone donates what they haven't already and does what they can and just supports and yeah. boosts it and we mentioned our friends joseph and simon who do like amazing work with what they do so all their content that you may be getting reviews i think some of the i think both of them are on break right now but like go through their backlogs they're yeah. just great at yeah. what they do uh, uh yeah Quentin, i don't know if you saw my my plan for next year instead of commissioning wrestling reviews we're going to be commissioning reviews of wrestling reviews oh fuck so i'm you. gonna start oh, i'm hey, gonna start yeah. paying like joseph and simon to review each other's writing <laughs> no i want um, i want to get simon to review a dragon gate review that is yeah all. like that's awesome oh, yeah we'll um <laughs> let's get simon to review voices of wrestling articles fuck yeah let's do that <laughs> you know what we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna hash this out more i'm gonna say yes song. yes all right Thank donate you to the podcast ko-fi so we can pay thank you thank you all for listening hope you're here next time King of the drill, also one of the dopest Whether the streets are on the mic, I'm doping Yes, I'm focused, the gangster recognize me for my lowness No jokes, time to shake these haters off like the skin of a locust Or maybe like a python, that's the type of shit I'm on I wrote this on my iPhone, so let me drop this I-bomb I palm the game like it's a spawning ball and take flight From the free throw line and slam it down like I'm the great Mike Bunning Wayne and Drake in here, man, this gon' be a great night Look at all these poses, bite, I swagger like a great white Try to cross me over, I just fake left and I break right Stupid animal tricks like David Letterman's late night This that major moment you've been waiting on for too long The best that ever did it and doing it on a new song UGK and Young Money too strong Bound to be in the green like a crew tone So what the fuck is you it's on? Okay. It's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay You can run and tell your friends that I'm on, I'm on, I'm on, I'm on, I'm on, I'm on Best believe I understand It's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay You can run and tell my city I'm on, I'm on, I'm on, I'm on, I'm on, I'm on Jacket, black glasses, all-American bad boy I own the swagger supermarket And you, you just a bad boy Cause I got that swag, boy The swag you never had, boy Play and I believe you'll change the color of my flag, boy Subu, bitch, I do this shit I'll erase you like I do you, bitch And I keep that toaster You can come and be my school, bitch I'm so